Hey there, and welcome to Shadow Facts. That's facts as in horse treat-sized pieces of information, a podcast about Lord of the Rings. But only the horse parts. I'm Joey. And I'm Caitlin. And And this this is is our our oath. We vow to discuss every horse mentioned or visible in both the Lord of the Rings books and film adaptations, and we do mean every. We vow to rank every horse mentioned above. We vow to rewrite one of Tolkien's songs per episode to be about horses, live on the pod. And last but not least, we vow to answer the call of Gondor when the beacon is lit. By which we mean, answer your questions about Lord of the Rings horses to the best of our ability. bad please restart better than that we're here at the end of all things oh fuck (laughs) i'm emotional both about what's happening and the chapters that we're discussing today but also like i'm having shadow facts existential dread like we're we're yeah we're here we're coming to the end we're coming to the end our journey is almost done our burden is almost lifted i don't know i don't know how to feel yeah this is the second to last book episode oh stop unless we do one on just the appendices oh that might be yeah but in terms of like the chapters like we're doing this set of three and then there's one more set of three and then that's it for book chapters I don't know why it hasn't occurred to me, but I've never looked up horse in the index. Uh, it's, there's not a, there's not a, there's no horses in the index. That's a fucking bummer. Oh. Um. Yeah. So, uh, we're covering, um, to be specific, chapter four through six of book six, which is the field of Cormallon, the steward and the king, and many partings. Yeah. This is where my memory of the books, I think, is the fuzziest. Yeah, because it all happens very differently from the movies. Yeah, it's, it lingers, you know? Yeah, yes. Well, should we, uh, should we just go ahead and jump in chronologically? Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. So I just want to clarify where we left off plot-wise in the book, because it gets, it's, it just gets so muddied in my brain between like book and movie because mm-hmm. in the movie the ring has not been destroyed yet correct it's getting close but they're not they're not there they're not there yet um in the book the last thing that happened for frodo and sam is that the ring was destroyed and then they sort of like ran out of the place <laughs> and the last thing that happened 
for you know the other side of the fellowship is that they started like the battle on the field of Cormallon, um, and it's not looking great. Uh, Pippin slays a I don't know troll or something, but is crushed under it and falls unconscious, squished like a little bug. And Eowyn and Faramir and Mary are all still in the houses of healing. Yeah. Being sad. Eowyn and Faramir have not met yet. Correct. Yeah, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good sum up. Okay. So we start here on the field of Cormallon, all about the hills, the hosts of Mordor raged. Yeah. Aaron, uh, uh, Aaron, God, Ottergorn. <laughs> wow. What if his name was just Aaron? Oh, God, that's so, that's... <laughs> I didn't Aaron, son of Ethan. Oh my god, I really <laughs> genuinely didn't think there was any characterization at this point that could make me dislike Aragorn, but you did it. You found it. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. Ottergorn stood sexily beneath his banner, sexily silent and stern. <laughs> as one lost in as, thought no, of no, things no, as long one... past or far away. But his sexy eyes gleamed like gleamed sexily like stars that shine the brighter as the night sexily deepens. I feel like you missed an opportunity for as one sexily lost in their thoughts. Oh yeah. He's okay, a space fair. cadet, but like in a hot way. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah. But then Gandalf, as if to his eyes some vision had been given, stirs and he looks north where the skies were pale and clear and starts yelling, the eagles are coming! And then everyone starts yelling, the eagles are coming. And the hosts of Mordor looked up and wondered what this sign <laughs> might mean. I think it means store? that the eagles are coming! <laughs> to be fair, okay, let's say that you, Joey, are in a bar fight. And suddenly uh-huh. everyone is like, the eagles are coming. The eagles are coming. <laughs> what would that mean to you? I don't know. I would wonder if they meant like a sports team or a gang or, you know, if it was like code language, mm. I guess. <laughs> yeah. An omen. Yeah. And the eagles do, in fact, come. Uh, and they swoop upon the Nazgul, but the Nazgul turn and flee because right then the ring has been destroyed. And so Sauron sort of calls them. Um, so like the eagles don't actually do shit, really. They'll be, they'll be helpful in a minute, but. Yeah, I mean, they will, but like. To be fair, yeah. there's, there's not a lot of help to provide because it's like at this exact moment that. Frodo has destroyed the ring and kind of larger things are happening. Yeah. And then the earth rocks beneath their feet and Sauron kind of rises in like a great shadow, terrifying or terrible, but impotent. But then he like blows away like dust, basically. I do like that because Tolkien throughout has established you know like a cool wind and breeze as this like very Mm -hmm. edifying force yeah and then i have my first note just after that so yeah so after sauron is destroyed all of his forces are kind of scattering and he says 
orc or troll or beast spell enslaved, which I thought was interesting and relevant to us, the uh, yep. beast morality opinion havers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there are a couple lines that are relevant in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of this whole little section. So one, I want, I just want, I want to talk about the beginning of that line. Mm-hmm. Tolkien says, as when death smites the swollen brooding thing that inhabits their crawling hill and holds them all in sway, ants will wander witless and purposeless and then feebly die. So, and I just think that's rude to queen ants calling them swollen brooding things that inhabit a crawling hill and holds all the other ants in sway. This generation of British writers fucking hate ants. Like, I'm also thinking about, um... Oh my god, the King Arthur book, E.B. White. Okay. No, no, no. The the fucking, the very extremely famous King Arthur book for children, which... Yeah, I don't know. Like, I vaguely know, but I don't know. It's T. It's T.H. White. Sorry, not E.B. White. Oh. E.B. White is Charlotte's Web. T.H. White yes. is the Once and Future King, which also thinks ants are terrifying and is a big part of why I dislike ants to this day, because I read that book as a child. Oh, interesting. Well, it also, I mean, like, the swollen brooding thing reminds me of, like, the language he uses for Shelob, Mm -hmm. and there is definitely, like, a a connotation he has of, like, these, I don't know, like, evil matriarchs, right? Yeah. (laughs) That is, yeah. Anyways. Um, and then he compares, yeah, the creatures of Sauron to that um but but he goes on to say but the men of rune and of harad easterling and southron saw the ruin of their war and the great majesty and glory of the captains of the west Mm, yeah okay and those that were deepest and longest in evil servitude hating the west and yet were men proud and bold in their turn now gathered themselves for a last stand of desperate battle but the most part fled eastward as they could and some cast their weapons down and sued for mercy and we'll come back to some of what happens to some of those people in a couple spots but i mean it is you know i tolkien has a race problem absolutely and he continues to give us more nuance than one would expect yeah given how the movies handle all of this yeah yeah there's there's a few like you said we'll come back to this again later but it it is one of those interesting um kind of complications in his own narrative <laughs> yeah yeah and then gandalf um asks the eagles to bear them swiftly away for something incredibly important well to bear him specifically yes and he takes a few extra eagles yes and then we cut back to frodo and sam who are present in this narrative because we all all the lines are tangled together down here at the end yeah um can yes can we read of course (laughs) go ahead i am glad that you are here with me said frodo here at the end of all things sam yes i am with you beloved said sam laying frodo's wounded hand gently to his breast and you're with me and the journey's finished But after coming all that way, I don't want to give up yet. 
It's not like me somehow, if you understand. Maybe not, Sam, said Frodo. But it's like things are in the world. Hope fails, an end comes. We have only a little time to wait now. We are lost in ruin and downfall, and there is no escape. Well, beloved, we could at least go further from this dangerous place here, from this crack of doom, if that's its name. Now couldn't we? Come, Frodo, let's go down the path at any rate. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I just... it's so good. It's that tweet we saw, I just pulled it yes. up from the other day. It's yes. from at Frodo felt a fool. Uh, they say, man, I'm reading the Mordor chapters again, and it really is Frodo going, guess we'll die here now. And Sam is like, well, let's take a few more steps, Mr. Frodo, and we can die over <laughs> there. And Frodo's like, fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, Frodo's next line here is, very well, Sam, if you wish to go, I'll come. Mm. Um, yeah, I just, I love it. Yeah. I, I mean, this is very much like Frodo in, like, the first whatever chapter that was somewhere in the first four chapters when he's like, oh, I shall never see this valley again. Oh and like, he's, you know, I mean, he's a fucking like emo kid yeah. and Sam, and now he's like, uh, oh, this is the end. Woe is me. Hopes fail. And Sam is like, okay, but like, maybe we could at least like not be immediately next to the crack of doom. I mean, Frodo, the thing is, Frodo's not wrong here, but damn. Yeah. But, like, there was no hope for this quest ever. Right. And they did it, which means that things are not operating by, like, normal rules. Yeah, well, and neither of them really expected to be alive at this point and having to deal with yeah. it. I, like, Frodo is... It's like the thing of like, eh, I, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and well, and I, f I found it interesting too. Like they do, they walk at this point, like they rose and went slowly down the winding road. Um, but then like, there's more and more like lava and they can't go any further. Yeah. Um, their last strength of mind and body was swiftly ebbing. They had reached a low ashen hill piled at the mountain's foot, but from it there was no more escape. They stood now, and Sam, still holding his boyfriend's hand, caressed it. He sighed. What a tale we have been in, Frodo, haven't we? He said. I wish I could hear it told. Do you think they'll say, Now comes the story of nine-fingered Frodo in the Ring of Doom? And then everyone will hush, like we did, when in Rivendell they told us the tale of Baron One Hand and the Great Jewel. I wish I could hear it. And I wonder how it will go on after our part. Um, yeah. And then... I do want to sorry, point out, ahead. just... Yeah. There's so much canonical hand-holding. Like, there has never... There so has, I cannot much. think of another text, like, fic included, I have ever read, where there has been so much hand-holding. Oh, my Still God. holding his boyfriend's hand, caressed it. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I really like... Like, Tolkien is kind of using, like, like what I think of as very, like, Homeric-style epithets here. Like, nine-fingered Frodo, barren one hand. Mm -hmm. And I like mm -hmm. that. I, I think there's something interesting there about the way Frodo being remembered is the way he is after the journey and not the way before. And then later, we'll yeah. see in a couple of chapters, there is, in fact, a song. And they refer to him as nine-fingered Frodo. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, that's not a fully formed thought, but that is interesting. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was that Gwaihir saw them with his keen, far-seeing eyes, two small dark figures, forlorn, hand in hand upon a little hill, while the world shook under them and gasped, and rivers of fire drew near. And even as he espied them and came swooping down, he saw them fall, worn out or choked with fumes and heat, or stricken down by despair at last, hiding their eyes from death. Side by side they lay, and down swept Gwaihir, and down came Landroval and Men- Meneldor the Swift, and in a dream, not knowing what fate had befallen them, the wanderers were lifted up and borne far away out of the darkness and the fire. Ah! <laughs> I am scratching at the carpet! I am rattling the bars of my cage! Yeah, it's... Tolkien writes things so beautifully. Yeah, he's... He especially... he's He always does. There's a couple of passages in this section that we're reading like that that just really blow me away they they gently pick me up and and fly me away out of the darkness and fire yeah you know and then (sighs) sam wakes up kind of unsure of where he is lying in a soft bed he sees that frodo is lying beside him and he has a hand resting on his breast and upon that hand the third finger is missing and so Sam kind of remembers where he is. Mm-hmm. And then we get a really wonderful Sam-Gandalf conversation. Yeah, Sam cried aloud, It wasn't a dream! Then where are we? And a voice spoke softly behind him, In the land of Athelion and in the keeping of the king, and he awaits you. With that, Gandalf stood before him, robed in white, his beard now gleaming like pure snow in the twinkling of the leafy sunlight. Well, Master Samwise, how do you feel? He said. But Sam lay back and stared with open mouth, and for a moment, between bewilderment and great joy, he could not answer. At last he gasped, Gandalf, I thought you were dead, but then I thought I was dead myself. Is everything sad going to come untrue? What's happened to the world? It's so good, Sam! (laughs) Uh, And then Gandalf, Gandalf, in response to, you know, Sam being Sam, laughs. And Sam realizes that he had not, he hasn't heard, like, laughter in forever. And his immediate response is to burst into tears. Yeah. But then he laughs after that, and he says he feels like spring after winter and sun on the leaves and like trumpets and harps and all the songs I have ever heard. And then asks about Frodo, who is immediately awake. And who says, and this is very sweet, um, I fell asleep again waiting for you, Sam, you sleepyhead. It just, (laughs) it feels like in this moment, like all the time has been stripped away and like they're like... This feels very much like them from early in the books, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And Gandalf is all cryptic and is like, the king has tended you and now he awaits you. And Sam is like, what king and who is he? And (laughs) Gandalf doesn't tell them that it's Otterborn. Yeah. Okay. And then Sam is like, what shall we wear? Because all he can see is the tattered clothes that they had been wearing and Gandalf is like, Practical still those clothes. Sam, as ever. 
Even the orc rags that you bore in the black land Frodo shall be preserved. No silks and linens nor any armor or heraldry could be more honorable. But later I will find some other clothes perhaps. And they have to put back on their fucking horrible clothes, including the hairy orc pants. Yeah. Frodo didn't even have like an entire outfit anymore. Yeah. Like they give them the clothes, give them the clothes now. And then, you know, Frodo's, Harry orc pants could go into the museum or whatever but yeah I don't know I just there's there's several moments where like decisions are made for the hobbits mm-hmm. they just like don't have a choice in things and it I didn't like that like it rubbed me the wrong yeah way like this ha- this will happen again later with um the sword yeah yeah and even, like, their departure time and things, which, like, some of that makes sense, but it's like, I don't know, tell them more of what's going on and let them make informed choices. Yeah. Yeah, it is a weird detail that they do have to put back on their horrible fucking stinky trauma clothes. Um, yeah. And then Gandalf returns their gifts from Lady Galadriel, um, importantly, Sam's box. And then they they do get to, like, eat and bathe, and they follow Gandalf out of the, the, like, grove of trees where they had been sleeping. And yeah, so to be clear, they are in Ithilien mm-hmm. at this point, kind of where they had, you know, met up with Faramir previously. So, like, post-battle, the host has not ridden back to Minas Tirith, but is instead, like, camped in Athelian, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, it's this yeah. like, yeah, you know, th- bewildering because when they last were awake and conscious, they were, you know, on this uh, horrible island surrounded yeah. by fire. And then, you know, they wake up in a different place, which is already disorienting enough. And then they kind of, you know, turn a corner in these woods and and there's it's like stepping into a different place you know it's it's so different mm-hmm. like they they come to an opening in the woods and they were surprised to see knights in bright mail and tall guards in silver and black standing there who greeted them with honor and bowed before them and then one blew a long trumpet and they went on through the aisle of trees beside the singing stream so it like they turn a corner turn a corner and it's like both like the place is beautiful but they're also kind of (laughs) this is a taste of the adulation that they're adulation what the fuck what is adulation the correct word there it is a word option there (laughs) (laughs) but it's also a taste of this like big public praise that they're about to receive Mm mm-hmm yeah, it just, it must be so strange for them who've been only Adulation in each other's company. You know? says obsequious flattery, excessive admiration, or praise. So uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Ad- adoration would be another option, but yeah. Um, but yeah. 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 Um, they go forward and saw that amidst the clamorous host were set three high seats built of green turves. Do you know what turves means? I assume it's uh like a branch. No, it's the plural of turf. 
it's like they just built like like grass oh like interesting like planted grass in soil you know like yeah like str- imagine like strips of turf that you would like lay a lawn with and then it's build fucking sod yeah thrown out of that whoa that's way more uh Midsommar than I was picturing. Also, before the- Yeah. Really fast. So there's like, they're singing a song that is about like praising the hobbits. And I just want to point out really fast. It says, And so the red blood blushing in their faces and their eyes shining with wonder, Frodo and Sam went forward. And then that jumps right into what you're saying about the the yeah. turves. But I-, I feel honor bound for both our own personal interest and our listenership to point out blushing hobbits. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they see, you know, Aemir in one throne. I would assume, I guess it doesn't say he's there, but his flag is there. And Prince Imrahil or whatever yeah. on the other side. And then Ottagorn in the middle. Sexily. Uh, yes. In fact, it says, fuck where? I have it if you. Oh, no, it's. It's later. There's a line describing Ottergorn that I want to talk about. Yeah, but it does say, I did want to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's an explicit horse reference because they're describing the flag of Rohan at Eomer's throne, which is oh, a yes. white horse oh. on green, a great horse running free. Um, but on the throne sat a mail-clad man. A great sword was laid across his knees, but he wore no helm. As they drew near, he rose, and then they knew him, changed as he was, so high and glad of face, kingly, lord of men, dark-haired with eyes of gray. But I I love the emphasis. This, I feel like throughout these chapters, like, there's so many little glittering threads that really stuck out to me, and all of them are about, like, people, like, knowing and recognizing each other and like knowing beyond like knowing your face like knowing in a very like intimate way like i understand and see you as a person like i it reminds me of like the conversation that austin walker and janine have in twilight mirage about true names Mm. and that like it's not like a person just has one true name, but, but knowing or, you know, sort of discovering a true name of a person is like recognizing an, uh, you know, an aspect of them. Uh, yeah. And this, yeah. 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 Extremely. And, uh, they, they run to meet him and Sam is being Sam about it. Yeah. He says, well, if this isn't the crown of all, Strider, or I'm still asleep. <laughs> and Aragorn says, yes, Sam, Strider. It is a long way, is it not, from Bree, where you did not like the look of me? Um, which is very, I just love yeah. the kind of like gentle mm-hmm. ribbing. Um, and then uh, Ottergorn like bows his knee before them and takes them each by the hand and leads them to the throne and sets them upon it. And I love this image of Frodo and Sam sitting side by side in this, like, sod throne. Yeah, it's such a good image. It's such a good image. And Aragorn shouts out for everyone to praise them. And then a fucking minstrel 
comes up and is like, hey ho, can I sing you a song <laughs> And he says, it's this, I will sing to you a Frodo of the Nine Fingers, which is, again, is that, like, kind of epithet. Yeah. In yeah. Sam says well it's when sam heard that he laughed aloud for sheer delight and he stood up and cried oh great glory and splendor and all my wishes have come true and then he wept oh sam and then this is another this is oh god this is one of those lines that like jumped up and grabbed me mm-hmm. by the throat um and then all the host laughed and wept And in the midst of their merriment and tears, the clear voice of the minstrel rose like silver and gold, and all men were hushed. And he sang to them, now in the elven tongue, now in the speech of the West, until their hearts were wounded with sweet words, overflowed, and their joy was like swords. And they passed in thought out to regions where pain and delight flow together, and tears are the very wine of blessedness. Yeah. Fuck. Their joy was like swords. It's yeah. uh, uh. And tears are the very wine of blessedness. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's really like capturing like catharsis there, you know? Like Yeah. Yeah, extremely. Um yeah. I love to read a book about people experiencing this like melange of motions at the end of a big quest and also be feeling that same way ourselves while reading the book yeah about having read the book Uh uh-huh yeah this song goes on for a while because it says and at the last as the sun fell from the noon and the shadows of the trees lengthened he ended (laughs) yeah um so they've all just been like listening to this song for like i don't know two hours or whatever yeah um and then they get ready to eat and drink and make merry while the day lasted and then Frodo and Sam finally get to put on some other fucking clothes. Some fresh clothes. clothes, please! And Sam gets his mithril coat back, his mithril crop top um, and sting and Sam gets a coat of gilded mail. Oh, you said and... or you said Sam when you meant Frodo about his mithril crop oh, top. yeah. Frodo gets mithril and sting and Sam gets a coat of gilded mail and his now mended elven cloak. Frodo also gets his cloak, of course. Um, Frodo says, I do not wish for any sword. And Gandalf says, tonight at least you should wear one. Um, And I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking why? Just let them not have swords anymore. I know. Like that's never been who Frodo is. Like that's not what his bravery is about. And also like, you know, he, he had just said it like, in the last Frodo and Sam chapter, he said, like, you know, like, no matter what's happening, like, I don't, I'm not gonna carry a blade anymore. Like, I'm I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think Tolkien is pretty attached to some ideas about, like, like, obviously, he does not just worship, like, you know, war for war's sake. Like, he has, there's that whole sort of discussion of, like, the men of Gondor and what they used to be like and what they're like now and and all of that. But but Tolkien still has this attachment to like, I don't know, sort of the nobility of mm-hmm. war and warriors. Yeah. Um, and I think this story would be stronger without it. Yeah. I I this moment to me 
reads actually more of like a dissonance between Gandalf and Frodo and Sam. Like Frodo and Sam mm. understand on some levels the way in which like they belong to this quest. You know, they've talked about being in the songs, but this feels to me like Gandalf understanding it from like the kind of longer, larger scale view of his longer life. Like he's thinking about it almost as like as like you are a character who is going to be sung about and not you are yeah. a person. Gandalf is thinking about the PR of it. Yeah, which makes it sound like yeah, yes, that's very much it. But instead, I mean, of the I'm PR not trying it, to yeah. cheapen it, but like there is a sense. I mean, there's a sense of like public image. Yeah, and it's like, like symbolism. Yes, you are you like you belong to yourselves, but you are also the the character from a song now. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I also don't um, kind of love that moment, but yeah, um, yeah. And interestingly, so like in the in the movie, you know, when they wake up, especially like when Frodo wakes up, like all the fellowship you know, comes and greets him and there's this reunion right then. And that is not how it goes here. Like, mm-hmm. he has only seen Aragorn and Gandalf so far. And, and I mean, Frodo and Sam, each other, of course. But then, like, at this feast, uh, Gimli and Legolas are there, although they don't really get to have a moment. And yeah. then there are these two, like, s- like esquires serving the kings and they realize it's Pippin and Mary who are like um, yo I'm on the clock right now yeah but we'll talk later <laughs> yeah. and I'm like rough like fucking yeah. listen I can't hang out with you this summer I've got a catering gig yeah and just I don't know I mean it's it's an interesting they I mean they took different paths right yeah and it's been um, it's been a long time since they saw each other. Yeah. But it's an interesting contrast to the way the movie treats it. Yeah. Yeah, and then they um after the the feast, they th- this is when we kind of get the fellowship more together. Frodo and Sam sat under the whispering trees amid the fragrance of Ferrothilion. And they talked deep into the night with Merry and Pippin and Gandalf. And after a while, Legolas and Gimli joined them. There, Frodo and Sam learned much of all that had happened to the company after their fellowship was broken. Uh, And then it says, and I love, this is like such a um, succinct little like jewel about, you know, like friendships where you're separated is like, and still, you know, they, it's, they're talking all night and it says, and still always mm-hmm. there was more to ask and more to tell. Yeah. Uh, and then um, Sam, Sam notices that Mary and Pippin are taller because of their introts and he makes everyone, he makes all the hobbits like stand back to back to measure their height, which is extremely cute. Yeah. It's, it's very cute. Um, and then Gandalf is like, okay. Everyone that has know, to go to you, bed. You were healed, but you still need rest, so go the fuck to sleep. Um, and Gimli says, and not only Sam and Frodo here, but you too, Pippin. 
I love you, if only because of the pains you have cost me, which I shall never forget, nor shall I forget finding you on the hill of the last battle. But for Gimli the dwarf, the, the dwarf, <laughs> you would have been lost. Oh, you would have been lost then. But at least I know now the look of a hobbit's foot, though it be all that can be seen under a heap of bodies. And when I heaved that great carcass off you, I made sure you were dead. Which reads like... Like, I made sure death, of it. But yeah. He, it, it means, you know, he, he double-checked. He thought that Pippin was dead. I could have torn out my beard. And it is only a day yet since you were first up and abroad again. To bed now you go, and so shall I. Because um, Pippin, after he passed out, apparently Gimli was the one who later found him and rescued him. This is good. This and is then, like a cute moment because I feel like we don't get that much interaction between them. It's it's yeah. nice to like, like, yes, everyone cares for each other. Uh, this, I feel like the way that they did it in the movies is like an A plus adaptational choice though. Oh my God. Yeah. We talked about it yeah. a lot last episode, but. Absolutely. Like there's, yeah, there's definitely, I mean, there's stuff and I'll, I'll talk about it, but like there's stuff that I wish we got more of in the movies, but in general, in, you know, these few chapters, I think the movie made a lot of very smart choices. Mm -hmm. Although we'll see how I feel when we actually watch more of that section of the film. Yeah. Um, and then Legolas <laughs> says, oh and I shall walk in the woods of this fair land, which is rest enough. Um, and then he sings about the sea. And so singing, Legolas went away down the hill. I Here's what I wanted more of or want more of in the films. I want Legolas to be weirder. Yeah. Like, like I feel like they were like, well, we can't have him just interact with everyone else like normal. But they didn't. So they had him be kind of aloof. But they didn't go the other direction far enough. And so he ends up just being a non-character a lot of the time. And... I want him to like lean into the weird elfness and just he's I mean he I, don't I mean know. it is both that like in these books you get a greater sense that like yeah no elves aren't just not human because they have cool ears and like live a long time like they they are very very different and that gets lost a little bit in the movies yeah um and especially like these chapters between Legolas and then um the, the interactions that we'll see in a bit with, like, Celeborn and Galadriel and Elrond, like... Yeah. They they are a different... a different being altogether. Yeah. I feel like the way that that gets communicated in the movies is a very simplified version of, like, Legolas and Gimli's, you know, kind of antagonism, and also, like, Legolas being kind of, like, spacey. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, he could definitely be more of a weirdo and it would work for me. Yeah. And I just, I, I also would love to have the, like, I want him to be the guy who just every time the fellowship is like, well, time to sleep. He's like, okay, I don't need to sleep as you may recall. And then they rib him for that constantly. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly. you know, I just think there's a lot of potential there for, um, him being weird and kind of like, I, I mean, kind of intimidating because of that, but kind of easy to make fun of because of that. And yeah. Yeah. It's like tech guys talking about their goop smoothies or whatever. Yeah. 
Exactly. Or like their bizarre sleep schedules or their like what I, yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever the is. fuck they're on. Yeah. 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 Um, and then Frodo and Sam finally get to go to bed. Yeah. And Sam, I, Sam has this, um, the next day, like, uh, they, or just in general, like it says they spent many days in Athelia. And so they're like wandering around and like visiting the places that they had passed before. Um, and Sam always wants to catch a glimpse of a, uh, an oliphant, which he hears, or, and then he hears that, you know, at the Siege of Gondor, there had been a bunch of them, but they were destroyed, um, which he thinks is a sad loss. And he says, well, one can't be everywhere at once, I suppose, he said, but I missed a lot, seemingly. And it's just, I don't know, it's, it's, there's a, there's a, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I mean, there's a, there's, what it makes me think of is the way that we interpret stories versus the way that we, like, as humans individually experience things. Like, we kind mm, of think yeah. about all of this as a cohesive story that, like, happened to a group of people. Mm-hmm. You know, which it is, but it's like, Sam didn't get to, you know. Yeah. Th- their paths yeah. diverged, and so... You know, they, they weren't they weren't interwoven. They weren't aware of what was happening to their friends. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's really evocative of the kind of... I mean, the isolation that experiencing really different things creates, right? Like, you can tell someone what you experienced and you can, you know, know them in that way. But it is there's there's a difference between that and sharing an experience with someone and when you have experienced something that other people haven't like it's lonely yeah yeah i mean yeah it's that line from a page ago about them filling each other in there was always more to ask and always more to tell Yeah. yeah but also i think like what you were saying about stories like it is about you know how we conceptualize the story but it's also like i think it's also how we conceptualize other people's experiences often. Yeah. Like we, we think of other people's because we hear them in narrative form. It can feel like, Oh, like they had an adventure in a way (laughs) that I didn't. And they're feeling the same thing about you. Right. Right. Because of, yeah. Ugh. yeah. Wow. Um, um, and then I was just going to say that they hang out there for like a fucking month. And yeah, then... that's, that's the thing that is so strange about these chapters is it, it just takes, it takes so much time. Mm-hmm. And some of what's happening here is that like people are healing from wounds. Um, some are like uh going into Mordor and destroying the fortresses in the north of the land and and, and so chasing were, like, down waiting for those people ha- to return yeah and chasing yeah. down the like the troop the other troops who had fled yeah yeah um but finally they head back to Minas Tirith yeah and this is a big deal because Aragorn is like entering the city as the king for the first time 
Yes, officially, instead of secretly as a sneaky healer man. <laughs> a healer in the night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the end of that chapter. And yeah. then the next chapter starts with this thing that Tolkien does that we have always talked about in love, which is like the flow of information over yeah. the city. Meanwhile, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, in Gondor, over the city of Gondor, <laughs> doubt and great dread had hung, because fucking, as far as they're concerned, fucking everyone rode out a week ago to this impossible, no, like this impossible battle, and they have not heard from them. Yeah, I mean it. So I thought initially when this chapter started and I was reading it that like the battle had finished and they just hadn't sent a messenger back to Gondor. And that's not actually true. It's just that we kind of rewind here yeah. because it does say in the next paragraph when the captains were, but two days gone. Yeah. So like they've just left two days prior. Right. Um, but, but yeah, it, it like they have no way of knowing um, yet what exactly is happening. And um, and that plays a role off and on throughout this chapter. Yeah. And this is, this is the Eowyn chapter in a lot of ways. I mean, not just the Eowyn chapter, but these first few pages, several pages mm-hmm. are very Eowyn focused. How do you, I would kind of like to just say the overview of like, what happens here with Eowyn and Faramir and then talk about whatever specifically in it we want to talk about. Yeah. Okay. So we have the shape of it. Cause I just uh, like, I don't know. I think there's some thematic and like bigger picture stuff here. Yeah. To discuss maybe. Yeah, definitely. So Eowyn you know, asks for clothing and she goes to the warden and she's like, I can't keep lying here. I hate it. Yeah. Um, I am really, straight up not having a good fight. time. Yeah. And he's like, well, I can't do anything. There are no tidings. You need rest. And she's like, who commands the city? And he says, well, I guess Faramir right now is steward. Um, <laughs> Ta- and who's your manager? Right, he's in this house, and he was sorely hurt, and is now healing. And then he says, but I do not know, and and Eowyn interrupts him and says, will you not bring me to him? Then you will know. It's good. She has a couple of... Uh, Eowyn is not a very quippy person, but she has a few kind of... Not, not quips, yeah. but like, she has a few like, uh-uh, no's in this section. That yeah, I mean, she is really like has no patience for 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 bullshit right now exactly exactly yeah um anyways so faramir is walking in the garden and eowyn um goes to him with the warden um and warden is like she's not content and wishes to speak to you and eowyn is like i don't want to be here despite the good care um and they talk um, and she says she wants to go to battle and he says he can't make that happen, but he would love it if she would talk to him sometimes because he has feelings about her and they go walking they... for the next few days 
Yeah. Walking. They start hanging out. Um, and also Faramir gets the inside scoop from Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, um, let's see. And then on the fifth day, they're hanging out and, and the, the ring is destroyed. Mm-hmm. Wait, that says the fifth day. Oh, the fifth day since they started talking. Seven days from Ottergorn's departure. Um, and as, like, it happens, because they can feel that something is happening, uh, as they stood so, their hands met and clasped, though they did not know it, and still they waited, for they knew not what. Um, and then there's kind of that sense of shadow, and then a sigh, and tremor, and whatever. Um, and then, eventually... He's like, do you not love me? Yeah, well, yeah. So they, they both feel the shadow dissipate. Oh, right. Sorry, they, yes. Yeah, and they, they mm-hmm. received words. And Mary leaves the Houses of Healing to go um, be at the camp. But Eowyn yes. stays. and Even that, though Eomer summons her. Yes. Yes. And that is what uh precipitates this conversation between them about like why have yes. you chosen to stay at the houses of healing when you previously have said you wanted to go yeah um and then Awen has a change of heart and decides that she loves faramir and they get uh betrothed okay let's dive in okay yeah um i feel i want to say on the outset that i feel kind of ambivalent about this like there are moments that ring really true for me and work better than the books or sorry work better this is the book work better than the movie and there's some stuff that um i feel like doesn't doesn't move me as strongly yeah i was really apprehensive about this chapter i thought i would hate it Mm -hmm. um and i didn't hate it as much as i expected to yeah because there are some parts that work, but there are some, yeah, some things I don't love either. Yeah. So, um, speaking of something that works. Yeah. Uh, my first thing is when Eowyn and Faramir actually meet for the first time. Do you yes. have something before that? No. Okay. Um, so first, he turns and sees Eowyn, and it says he was moved with pity, for he saw that she was hurt, and his clear sight perceived her sorrow and unrest, which I feel like yeah, really... Yeah, those wizard eyes. His fucking hot, sexy, gray wizard eyes. Um, um, no, but, like, so much of their... The parts of their relationship that really work for me are about the, the same thing that we were just talking about with Sam and, and yeah, Aragorn. They, of like They see each other. Yeah. Capital S. Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, the the warden is like, you know, kind of laying out what the problem is. And Faramir, this is very charming, says, what would you have me do, my lady? I am also a prisoner of the healers, <laughs> which is great. And it says, he looked at her and being a man whom pity deeply stirred, it seemed to him that her loveliness amid her grief would pierce his art. heart. <laughs> it's it would pierce his heart um and she looked at him and saw the grave tenderness in his sexy sexy eyes yeah 
Yeah, so it's kind of the... And, 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 and yet knew, for she was bred among men of war, that here was one whom no rider of the mark would outmatch in battle. So, like, he's got the tenderness and she can respect him as a warrior, which is important to Eowyn. It is. Yeah. And they they have a conversation, you know, a- Faramir is essentially like, you need to stay here to heal. And Eowyn is like, I don't want to be healed. Like, I... I wish to ride to war like my brother Eomer, or better, like Theoden and the king, for he has died and has both honor and peace. And that is such a telling line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Faramir says, it's too late to follow them, but death in battle may come yet, um, and you'll be better prepared to face it if you wait and finish healing. She did not answer, but as he looked at her, it seemed to him that something in her softened, as though a bitter frost were yielding at the first faint presage of spring. Yeah. And I, I'm wondering, like, I think, you know, what she responds to here is that he doesn't tell her, like why would you want to fight or something? He. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he, he kind of, he kind of yes. Answer. He says, yeah, basically it like, it's too late to ride away to that battle as you would have wanted, but death and battle may come to us all yet willing or unwilling. You will be better prepared to face it in your own manner. If while there is still time, you do as the healer commanded, which is not like he's not, tricking her or belittling her desires no he's saying like genuinely like i see that and if that is what you want like this is yeah the best way to go this is the you know this is the way to do it and then also he says you and i we must endure with patience the hours of waiting and i think like the the word we have maybe most often used to describe eowyn is lonely yeah and finally, I, you know, she has this moment of realizing that, like, she is maybe not alone in the experience she is having. Yes, exactly. And fully. And then, and that's like yeah. the thesis statement of, you know, like the kind of introductory arguments are these, like, you know, we've talked about the ways that they actually see each other. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's asking her to, like, walk with her. And she's Walk like, him. yes, sorry. And she's essentially like, why, like, like, what would you get out of that? And he's talking about how, you know, she's beautiful, which great. But he also says, it may be that only a few days are left ere darkness falls upon our world. And when it comes, I hope to face it steadily. But it would ease my heart if while the sun yet shines, I could see you still. For you and I have passed under the wings of shadow, and the same hand drew us back. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. It's, yeah, it's good. I also, I do love the moment where, (laughs) um, a, a little kind of between these two sections we've talked about, she says, then quietly, more as if speaking to herself than to him, but the healers would have me lie abed seven days yet, she said, and my window does not look eastward. <laughs> yeah, and he's and like, we can fix then that. He's like, okay, that I can fix. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Um, but like, I, you know, she allows herself some vulnerability there. Yeah. Right. Like she had come to him with this sort of very strong, like, this is what I want. I don't, you know, I don't want to just sit around. And then like, once they have a moment of connection and she softens a little, like she's able to say this. I mean, this concern that might, I think it's, it's one of the things that like, you might feel sort of petty confessing. Yeah. And right? well, I mean, literally, um, oh God, where is it? At one of the other times, um, she, she describes being worried that like, she will be perceived as like being like a child for. Yeah. Merely yeah. wayward, like a child that has not the firmness of mind to go on with a dull task to the end. Right. Right. But he has demonstrated to her that like, he takes her, her and seriously. her concerns and desires seriously and can be trusted yeah. with this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, and then Faramir uh, and Mary have their chat. And, and it says Faramir learned much more even than Mary put into words. And he thought that he understood now something of the grief and unrest of Eowyn of Rohan. Yeah. Um, and they start hanging out. Um, and the warden feels good about it because he sees that they are, like, helping each other. Yeah. Um, and then the weather has changed like it had been bright for a while, but now it's, like, cold and gray and stuff. Um, and it says they were clad in warm raiment and heavy cloaks, and over all, the Lady Eowyn wore a great blue mantle of the color of deep summer night, and it was set with silver stars about hem and throat. Faramir had sent for this robe and had wrapped it about her, and he thought that she looked fair and queenly indeed as she stood there at his side. The mantle was wrought for his mother, Finduolas of Amroth, who died untimely, and was to him but a memory of loveliness in far days and of his first grief, and her robe seemed to him raiment fitting for the beauty and sadness of Eowyn. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't know. It just, I mean, it sounds beautiful. Also, I think we should name a horse Finduolas. Oh, yeah. We'll add it to the corral. Um, and I think it's sweet that he sent for, like, a beautiful, sad cloak for his beautiful, sad girlfriend. Yeah, I do like that. I don't, I do like that part of it. I don't love the, like, I feel like, uh, like, there's, like, a whole, there's such, like, weird connections and so much fiction for men between their like wives and their mothers um so i don't yeah. kind of love but yes it's it's a beautiful visual and yes i do love like it's so clear that he is like he thinks of her he's like yes this is a beautiful star cloak for my beautiful star <laughs> like yeah 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 totally um yeah yeah and then you know, they're looking. Oh, they're looking. And respectfully. They're, they're and, <laughs> and quite unrespectfully. They're looking out toward the wind, northward, toward the Black Gate, really. Um, and Faramir says that 
the last seven days have brought him both joy and pain. Joy because of her, but pain because now the fear and doubt of this evil time are grown dark indeed. Eowyn, I would not have this world end now or lose so soon what I have found. And she says, lose what you have found, Lord, she answered, but she looked at him gravely and her eyes were kind. I know not what in these days you have found that you could lose, but come, my friend, let us not speak of it. Let us not speak at all. I stand upon some dreadful brink, and it is utterly dark in the abyss before my feet. But whether there is any light behind me, I cannot tell, for I cannot turn yet. I wait for some stroke of doom. Which is like, fuck. Yeah, and then that stroke of doom does in fact happen. And I do, I love this description. Um... Faramir agrees, yes, we wait for the stroke of doom. And they said no more, and it seemed to them as they stood upon the wall that the wind died, and the light failed, and the sun was bleared, and all the sounds in the city or in the lands about were hushed. Neither wind, nor voice, nor bird call, nor rustle of leaf, nor their own breath could be heard. The very beating of their hearts was stilled. Time halted. And as they stood so, their hands met and clasped, though they did not know it, and still they waited, for they knew not what. Then presently it seemed to them that above the ridges of the distant mountains, another vast mountain of darkness rose, towering up like a wave that should engulf the world, and about it lightnings flickered, and then a tremor ran through the earth, and they felt the walls of the city quiver. A sound like a sigh went up from all the lands about them, and their hearts beat suddenly again. He is so good at describing the like the very like physical effects of of emotion upon you. Yeah. Honestly, I like <sighs> Tolkien gets so much flack all the time for over describing things or something but i feel like that is almost entirely false yeah i don't know i feel like i mean his prose is fucking beautiful and his descriptions of landscape are evocative like he is using landscape to tell us things he's not just i don't know yeah, and again, and this is like, I don't think how people, this is not the popular conception of the book, but we've talked about, like, so much of these books are explicitly about um, the, like, emotional landscapes of the characters in a way that is yeah. extremely compelling. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think if you are reading just to find out, like, what happens next in terms of, like, adventure plot, then you are not going to, like... Yeah, it's not it's not paced like that, and I think that's what no. people expect. Um, okay. Uh, and they're not sure what's happening, but Faramir says... The reason of my waking mind tells me that great evil has befallen, and we stand at the end of days, but my heart says nay, and all my limbs are light, and a hope and joy are come to me that no reason can deny. Eowyn, Eowyn, white lady of Rohan, in this hour I do not believe that any darkness will endure. 
and he stooped and kissed her brow. And so they stood on the walls of the city of Gondor, and a great wind rose and blew, and their hair, raven and golden, streamed out mingling in the air. That's the good shit. And the shadow departed, and the sun was unveiled, and light leapt forth, and the waters of Anduin shone like silver, and in all the houses of the city men sang for the joy that welled up in their hearts from what source they could not tell. And then a source does appear, and it's a fucking eagle singing a song. Yep. Um, I love that this image of their hair streaming Yeah, out, it's really good. Mingling in yeah. the air. Yeah. Also, I mean, Faramir is supposed to have, like, black hair in the books, which obviously he doesn't. Also, it's supposed to be long enough that it can stream out and, and, and mingle with mingle. Eowyn's hair. I mean, fucking please someone draw some fan art of that. I think that's, I mean, other than whatever the fuck Frodo and Sam have going on, the most, like, explicitly sexual thing to happen. Yeah. Fellas, is it gay for your hair to mingle with someone else's hair in the wind? Yeah. God, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then we're kind of in that period we were talking about where, you know, word has been sent to the city and people are going from the city to Athelion, where all the host is, uh, but Eomer, Eomer, what? No, but Faramir and Eowyn stay here. Um, yeah. And then just because I feel like all of this book is hitting me in the emotional soft spot that is climate anxiety mm. for obvious reasons and probably some others. Mm-hmm. But Faramir has to stay here because for at least a little bit, he's technically the steward of the city. Yes. Um, and it says that his duty was to prepare for one who should replace him. And I don't, mm. this is like such a short passing line, but I don't, I don't know. It, it's, it looms large in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And then Faramir and Eowyn have like, the big conversation. Yeah. So, like, Faramir has been busy and not spending much time with her. And she's just, like, walking alone in the garden of the Houses of Healing a lot. And her face grew pale again. And it seemed that in all the city, she only was ailing and sorrowful. And the warden goes and tells Faramir that. And Faramir comes to her and asks why she doesn't go to you know see her brother and she says do you not know but he answered two reasons there may be but which is true i do not know and she said i do not wish to play at riddles speak plainer it's another great aowen moment yes um and then he says either you don't want to look at Ottergorn, or you want to stay near me and maybe for both these reasons, and you yourself cannot choose between them. Eowyn, do you not love me, or will you not? And Do you have any thoughts about this before we continue? Um, I I don't know. I feel kind of... Oh, sorry, I, I want to specify, it's not just... He, he specifically says, you do not go because only your brother called for you. And to yeah. look on the Lord Aragorn, Elendil's heir in his triumph would now bring you no joy, as in Aragorn did not summon you, and so... Yeah. 
Yes, that's that's an important clarification. Yeah. I, I guess this strikes me despite the setup of like I think some people would read this as Faramir asking like me or him, but I don't I don't actually read it that way. Like I think this is this is more about like there's clearly something here like are you willing to be like vulnerable enough to like acknowledge this and like let me all the way in yeah yeah kind of like are are you ready to to do this to move forward yeah and she responds i wish to be loved by another but i desire no man's pity which is like um, wish wished in the past tense yes yes um which is both that but also like the mortification of being known. Yeah. Yeah. I, I pity is, you know, we hear the word multiple times in this chapter and it is interesting. Well, um, p- yeah, I feel like, and he does make some clarification. Yeah. Yeah. We're about to get there. I just, I think that, we often have a pretty strong negative reaction to pity. Like pity has become, I don't know, this holy whatever thing. And I just don't think it's that bad to, to pity someone. No, no. Like pity. uh, Yeah. I feel like you could replace it with the word empathy here and it would evoke a very different reaction, even though it's speaking to the same impulse. Yeah. I mean, like, of course you, uh, like, we've been pitying Eowyn this whole time. Like, we see her pain and want it to be different, right? right? Like, we feel bad that she is having the bad experience she's having. And, like, that's... That's pity, baby. Yeah. 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 uh, Well, yeah. And then we need to, we need to hear his (laughs) follow-up. Yes. Um... Do you want me to read this paragraph where he talks about Aragorn? Yes, I think it's interesting. I don't know how much I agree with it, but we should talk about it. Yeah. He said, that I know. You desired to have the love of the Lord Aragorn. Okay, that was a weird hybrid of pronunciation there. Anyways, because he was high and puissant. I'm pretty sure puissant just means powerful in French. It's, It's puissant and it's an archaic word for powerful. Yeah, well, in French, it would be puissant. Yes. Um, And you wished to have renown and glory and to be lifted far above the mean things that crawl on the earth. And as a great captain may to a young soldier, he seemed to you admirable. For so he is, a lord among men, the greatest that now is. But when he gave you only understanding and pity, then you desired to have nothing, unless a brave death in battle. Look at me, Eowyn. And Eowyn looked at Faramir long and steadily, and Faramir said, Do not scorn pity that is the gift of a gentle heart, Eowyn. But I do not offer you my pity, for you are a lady high and valiant, and have yourself won renown that shall not be forgotten. And you are a lady beautiful, I deem, beyond even the words of the elven tongue to tell. And I love you. Once I pitied your sorrow, but now were you sorrowless, without fear or any lack? Were you the blissful queen of Gondor? Still I would love you. Eowyn, do you not love me? Yeah. Yeah, what do you, what do you think? Um, I mean, I don't know. I feel like 
it's, I rebel against this characterization of her as like wanting glory a little bit, but I also, I don't entirely think it's wrong. I just think again, like we have some, at least I have some ingrained ideas about like striving for glory being bad or cheap, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, there's kind of layers here because, yeah, I also, I agree with you about the glory thing, but like in this case, glory is partially glory and glory is partially like wanting to be believed by the people around her about who she is and what she wants. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she, she was powerless, right? And Mm -hmm. it is understandable for a powerless person to want power, not like power to make other people powerless, Mm -hmm. but like power to have agency in your life. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I also think that her interest in Ottergorn was not just like sort of admiring him as a great captain or like as a, as a way to, I mean, I think he, he saw her in ways that she felt and that was compelling to her. Yes, extremely. That's, that's what's not really captured here. Well, I think she is also... Like, I I think what rings true for me about the, like, her loving Aragorn as an idea is she is experiencing the be him or do him philosophy of gender. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, that, like, desire is mingled with, with, like, wanting to be that thing. Yeah. I mean, Aragorn has both independence and relationships. (laughs) Right. Right. Like that is some of what she saw, what right. she witnessed in his life is that like he is his own man in many ways. And also he has these like loving relationships with his friends. Yeah. And others. And she had neither of those things, right? She had the loneliness of independence without the independence. Right. Right. But she she had the loneliness <laughs> and- of independence, but still obligations. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, and I think that's, that's part of that, like, be him or do him. Yeah. Is like, she, she wanted that. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, like his pity speech, um, makes sense to me, generally speaking. Yeah, I agree. And he, I mean, he's telling her, like, I mean, one, don't scorn pity, but that's not actually what I'm offering you. Like, I respect you and I love you. Um, And I would respect and love you even if I had not sort of, like, experienced this sympathy for your pain. And also, even if your wants and desires change. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And then... We have to we have to read the line that kind of wraps this up. Yes. Then the heart of Eowyn changed, or else at last she understood it, and suddenly her winter passed, and the sun shone on her. 
I didn't... Tolkien has talked about her, you, you know, using kind of seasonal yeah. metaphors, um, which it makes sense that those would be resolved, but it does make me very pleased because I didn't remember that specifically, that in our Eowyn poem, you know, last week, we were oh, out here promising yeah. Eowyn warmth. Yeah, and now she has it. Okay, the next paragraph is what I struggle with the most. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. In this chapter. Hold on. Uh Uh-huh. Her heart changed, or at last she understood it. Like. Yeah. I, yeah, that's a, that's a huge, I don't know. Um, J.R.T. writing trans allegory 101. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now we can talk about the next paragraph. She says, I stand in Minas Anor, the Tower of the Sun, she said, and behold, the shadow has departed. I will be a shield maiden no longer, nor vie with the great riders, nor take joy only in the songs of slaying. I will be a healer and love all things that grow and are not barren. And again she looked at Faramir. No longer do I desire to be a queen, she said. <laughs> then Faramir um, laughed merrily. That is well, he said, for I am not a king. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay. Okay. I, the, the no longer do I desire to be a queen line I'm fine with because I think she is, like, she is a, with a touch of humor making it clear to him that she wants him and not Aragorn. Like, yeah. that's, I'm a-okay with that. But this, like, all of her sort of falling in love with Faramir has made sense to me. Like, I feel like there's been enough justification for it. But for this to, the sudden, like, I'm not going to be a shield maiden anymore, I'm going to be a healer, feels really out of left field to me. Yeah, I think, uh, yes, I I agree. I think because we, I think, think about Eowyn very differently than J.R.R.T. did. Yeah. Like, the ways that that could make sense to me, because she wanted, at the outset, specifically to be a fighter, and then I think over the course of it found that, like, the thing that really motivated her was being able to defend her, defend Mm. Theoden, and defend Mary, and, like, keep the people around Mm -hmm. her safe. And so Mm -hmm. I think this could really work if it was, like, acknowledging that, like, yeah, I don't want to go out there and, like, fucking you know, take hordes like my ancestors did or, like, be known in that way for, like, being a warrior. Like, what I care about and the thing that I found is being able to protect people. Mm -hmm. Or even, like, I'm thinking about that line we were just talking about. Like, the the heart of her changed or she at last understood it. Like, being able to help other people who feel that frustration of being like trapped in their own lives in an Mm -hmm. unsatisfactory way of being able to communicate that freedom and help other people find their way out of it. The both of those are extremely compelling to me about Eowyn and what she wants. I don't think that's fully reflected here. This feels pretty flat. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think, like, I can imagine having had, you know, brief descriptions throughout this chapter, like, especially, like, once Faramir is busy stewarding and she's just on her own in the Houses of Healing, that she starts helping out, right? Yeah, and yeah. And she's, but but she's kind of reluctant about it. Like, she's good at it in some way, but she hasn't accepted, like, that is part of what she has not understood about herself yet, but, like, she's doing it. And I don't know, people maybe find her easy to talk to. And so she starts, she ends up, you know, being the garden counselor in the <laughs> yeah. houses of healing. Exactly. Right? Yes, yes. Um, And that then she is able to like make sense of that in this moment and, and there would be set up for it. Right. Right. Be- because part of that, like A1's whole fucking thing is not that she is unhappy about who she is. It's that society has expectations or imposes meaning upon that that she does not agree with yeah 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 i mean i do and i i will also say like she comes from a culture where i mean you know it said it pretty explicitly earlier in this book like gondor has although they've kind of declined from this in more recently like they have historically had this balance of like love of, you know, learning and peace and whatever. Um, and like battle as necessary to defend those things. And Rohan has been more of a like, you know, warrior culture. Yeah. Right. War for the glory of war. And so coming from that cultural context, um, you know, she has been, like, sidelined as a woman. Mm-hmm. And, like, because of everything that happened with Theoden. And so in her eyes, like, the only way, the only way to get anywhere was to prove herself as a warrior, essentially. Right? Like, that's, that's the only path or, like, mental, like, framework for it that, that her culture gave her, right? And and so I can I can partly make sense of this like I will be a shield maiden no longer nor vie with the great riders um as her realizing that like because I think ultimately I mean like we said like she wants glory and 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 power like for agency but also to be seen right like that's been this this whole thing of being seen and it's like she thought that the only way she could be seen was to prove herself as a warrior and now she realizes she can be seen in other ways right right yeah and so she lets go of it yeah Um, but i just think that we could have an eowyn who is still like, yeah, my sword is cool as hell and I, you know, will fight if necessary. And also I have like meaning and joy in my life in various ways. Yeah. And I can be seen for all of me and not, you know, just in that way. Right. Right. And instead it, it tends to read more like, ah, she is giving up her, I don't know, well, it's even, I feel like <sighs> the same expectations 
about like gender and worth and agency that Eowyn is struggling against, we also struggle to like fully have this conversation with because it's the fucking soup that we all live in, you know? Yeah. Like, because we can't sit here and say like warrior and healer and pretend that those like don't have you know, today, however many years later, essentially a different world, that they don't have, like, meanings and weights behind them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we tend, (laughs) I mean, we do this thing in fantasy worlds, right? Where, like, like, I, like, I think swords are cool, right? I also would never join the military. (laughs) Like, there is i i i am not immune to to fantasy propaganda right like right the the idea <laughs> of like noble battle yeah. and and so i'm sort of talking in the context of this like mm, sort of fantasy idealism in a sense because what i was just thinking also is like we just talked about frodo and sam wanting to not wear swords and gandalf was like you should wear them and like so much of, I mean, I think back to our conversation with Molly and like hobbits are the future, mm-hmm. right? Like hobbits and, and yeah, I don't know that this, that this age of, of war is, is ending and the hobbits focus on, you know, sort of nurturing and domesticity and, and cultivating the earth is like you know what is what is coming yeah and essentially eowyn is doing the same thing is having the same progression but because we have grown up different with sexism and all of like the messages and ways we have conceptualized that i yeah i i can't like accept it in the same way because of gender and yes and i I, that's not that's not a hundred percent of it you know that is the no but that's that is like one layer of this right exactly exactly um yeah because we all live in soup and are unable to fully understand or communicate the flavor of that soup yeah 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 I mean, it's like guy who is only guy who has only blank. seen right. like I'm getting real blank vibes from this. Um, God, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we just we can't interpret this outside of our frame of reference. Yeah, I think I think we've talked about it. Like we we have a good understanding of Eowyn and her character motivations and all this, like. All the stuff aside, like, if we were to swap it for two way less kind of charged terms, like, if Eowyn really wanted to be a fruit gardener and instead everyone was like, ah, sorry, you have to grow cucumbers, like, Uh some of this would still stand because she has said repeatedly this entire time i want to be and do this thing and so it's still like a a, a pivot even if we were kind of like in less soup but yeah 
I feel like yeah. we have... And then she realizes that cucumbers are, are a fruit, fruit botanically. I knew, I knew like, you were going to give me shit I'm about no it the instant I said it. I fucking knew. <laughs> no, Ugh. I mean, culinarily, they are absolutely not. And I think I have, lo- you know, I'm not one of those people who are like, uh, you can't call those things vegetables. Like, when we're talking about we're, culinary we're, definitions, we're like vegetables... Soup? vegetables are a social construct but they exist like vegetables much like gender comma are a social construct it's true (laughs) oh my god we we have to we are it is true okay it's a good point maybe we should i feel like we've said a lot of really good things about this i've kind of scraped the bottom of what i want to say can we talk about your list and yes but first and faramir took her in his arms and kissed her under the sunlit sky and he cared not that they stood high upon the walls in the sight of many and many indeed saw them and the light that shone about them as they came down from the walls and went hand in hand more hand holding to the houses of healing yeah Okay. And then for a big change of pace. The king is coming. The king is... Oh, he's coming. All right. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Everyone is assembled. There's a big space before the gates. Um, uh, Lord Ottergorn is sexily clad in black male girt with silver, and he sexily wore a long mantle of pure white, clasped at the throat with a great jewel of green that shone from afar. But his head was bare, save for a star upon his forehead, bound by a slender fillet Fillet. of silver. Yeah. And then (laughs) Yorleth. Wait, Yoreth? Yoreth? Yeah, it's Yoreth. Why have we been saying Yorleth? Um, because... Oh, that other guy is Yorleth. Wait, who's Yorleth? Your loss. Oh, yeah, I loss. Yeah. Yes. And I added the L from that name to this name. Yorith. Uh, starts explaining about hobbits to her kinswoman, from the country, from Imloth Melui, but it seems like, you know, that's more rural than this city. And uh, and this is where we, this is where we get a fucking Jane Austen adaptation again. Yes. She says, "Nay, cousin, they are not boys. Those are Periane." Pe- 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 yeah. I don't know how it's pronounced. Out of the far country of the halflings where they are princes of great fame, it is said. I should know, for I had one to tend in the houses. They are small, but they are valiant. Why, cousin, one of them went with only his esquire into the black country and fought with the Dark Lord all by himself and set fire to his tower, if you can believe it. Love that description of what Frodo and Sam did. I know, it's so at good. Least, at least that is the tale in the city. That will be the one that walks with our Elfstone, as in Ottergorn. They are dear friends, I hear. Now he is a marvel, the Lord Elfstone. Not too soft in his speech, <laughs> mind you, because he was very sharp, sharp with, with her, her in the Houses of Healing. Uh, but he has a golden heart, as the saying is, and he has the healing hands. The hands of the king are the hands of a healer, I said, and that was how it was all discovered. And Mithrandir, he said to me, Yorith, men will long remember your words, and... But Yorth was not permitted to continue the instruction of her kinswoman from the country, for a single trumpet rang and a dead silence followed. <laughs> so good. <laughs> um, and 
then Faramir introduces Aragorn as Aragorn, son of Adathorn, chieftain of the Dúnedain of Arnor, captain of the host of the West, bearer of the Star of the North, wielder of the sword reforged, victorious in battle, whose hands bring healing, the Elfstone, Elisar of the line of Valandil, Isildur's son, Elendil, son of Numenor. I fucking hate you because I cannot unsee Aaron, son of Ethan now. <laughs> Unforgivable, Joey. Um, and then looking upon each other, each with their serious, beautiful gray eyes, he said, shall he be king and enter into the city? Wink. And all the host and all the people cried, yay, with one voice. And Yoreth again said, this is just a ceremony such as we have in the city, cousin, for he has already entered, as I was telling you. And he said to me, and then again, she was obliged to silence for Faramir spoke again. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the crown. I want to read the description of this crown. Um, because obviously, like, some of it, the the movie, you know, took literally. But it says it was shaped like the helms of the guards of the citadel, um, as in, like, the wings, save that it was loftier, and it was all white, and the wings at either side were wrought of pearl and silver in the likeness of the wings of a seabird, for it was the emblem of kings who came over the sea. And seven gems of adamant were set in the circlet, and upon its summit was set a single jewel, the light of which went up like a flame. I just think they could have made Ottergorn's crown more shimmery. They really wanted to make sure that he did not have anything that could be, like, interpreted as jewelry, you know? Yeah, like, they really pushed the masculinity with his crown. And I remember when I was a teenager, I hated his crown. I was like, that thing is fucking ugly. Give him a beautiful elf circlet like other people have. Oh, I've always I've always liked that crown quite a bit. Uh, I, I like it now. I just was, I don't know. I was very anti-certain sort of headband shapes and I didn't I don't know I just you know yeah um but I still think like the wings could have had like mother of pearl insets yeah yeah and whatever you know especially especially with like everything about Gondor being like black and silver like it it mm-hmm. aesthetically makes a lot of sense yeah um but then this is a moment that I really like um, there's some kind of, like, juggling about the logistics because, um, they haven't had a king in a long time. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of interesting. But, basically, Aragorn says, uh, Faramir offers Ar- Aragorn the crown. And then, to the wonder of many, Aragorn did not put the crown upon his head, but gave it back to Faramir and said... By the labor and valor of many, I have come into my inheritance. In token of this, I would have the ring bearer bring the crown to me and let Mithrandir set it upon my head if he will, for he has been the mover of all that has been accomplished, and this is his victory. Yeah. My fam- like, these people made me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he's crowned. When Aragorn arose, all that beheld him gazed in silence, for it seemed to them that he was revealed to them now for the first time. 
tall as the sea kings of old, he stood above all that were near. Ancient of days he seemed, and yet in the flower of manhood, and wisdom sat upon his brow, and strength and healing were in his hands, and a light was about him. I just think that the line, ancient of days he seemed, and yet in the flower of manhood, is the description of a dilf. Yeah, oh, extremely. Like, that's what Tolkien is saying there. Yeah. It's Kilf, king I'd like to fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, of course, because I'm a sucker for, I'm like, everything in this um thread has been getting me but he was revealed to them now for the first time yeah like right the fact that he is like beloved by his people because they are able to like see him for what he is is really good Mm -hmm. yeah and then and then he does king shit yeah he's just doing hot, hot king shit yeah um, he pardons the Easterlings that had given themselves up and sent them away free, and he made peace with the peoples of Harad, and the slaves of Mordor he released and gave to them all the lands about Lake Nornin to be their own. Yeah, which so I that's, thought was interesting. Yeah, and I mean, nice. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of... speaking. There's a lot of... um, Because uh, shortly on, we'll talk about it now actually because i think it's more thematically relevant than when Mm -hmm. it actually happens there's a moment where um we we kind of skipped over this in the book because we didn't feel qualified to talk about it but there's um a a description of a people who are intended to be read as like aboriginal or or native who live in the forest Mm -hmm. and later when they ride past that forest um it's that they like have the herald cry out like behold the king elisar has come the forest he gives to gonbury gone to his folk to be their own forever and hereafter let no man enter it without their leave which is like you can't give land to people who already yeah like live there and have it but was like that is an interesting thing is that like he is kind of like officially recognizing yes like their sovereignty over that land yeah yeah um, which yeah. I thought was kind of an interesting touch. And then, oh god, this this is like... Uh, so, and then the next thing on his, like, kingling docket is Baragond has been fucking sitting in jail because of the, like, fighting that he did to help... Yeah, has he, has he been sitting in jail or has he just been, like, you know, on essentially paid leave? Like, I thought, I think he was, I think... He, I don't recall off the top of my head, but I think he was, like, jailed after. Okay. I thought he was just relieved of duty. But that's I that's possible. I don't remember. But the point is, he's Anyways. just been, like, cooling his heels. Yeah. Um, and Ottergorn says, Baragond, by your sword, blood was spilled in the hallows, where that is forbidden. Also, you left your post without leave of lord or of captain. For these things, of old, death was the penalty. Now, therefore, I must pronounce your doom. Da-da-da-da. Yeah. But then, Ottergorn says, All penalty is remitted for your valor in battle, and still more because all that you did was for the love of the Lord Faramir. Nonetheless, you must leave the guard of the citadel, and you must go forth from the city of Minas Tirith. 
Then the blood left Baragon's face, and he was stricken to the heart and bowed his head. But the king said, So it must be, for you are appointed to the White Company, the guard of Faramir, prince of Ithilien, and you shall be its captain and dwell in Emin Arnin in honor and peace, and in the service of him for whom you risked all to save him from death. And Baragond departs in joy and content. Which is great, but, like, my guy, you psyched him out twice. Like, yeah, it's, right? it's that fucking investigator from um, um, Arrested Development. Like, call an ambulance, but not for me. Like, <laughs> all these things, the crime for which is death. Let him sweat it out. No, just kidding. I'm just gonna banish you. Let him sweat it out because I'm promoting you. Like, get to the... You buried the fucking lead, yeah. you drama queen. Yeah. Um, I love that Faramir just gets to be the prince of Athelion and he's just like a, a go cute, live in like, the forest, forest yeah. prince. Forests and gardens. Yeah. Aemir, um, Aemir comes to see him as the king. Um, and is basically, they're both like, wow, like, we really came through for each other. But I love, Aemir says, since the day when you rose before me out of the green grass of the downs, I have loved you, and that love shall not fail. Like, fucking everyone loves Ugh. Aragorn. Everyone sees him and is instantly stricken. Like, I would go to the yeah. ends of the earth for this beautiful man. Yeah. Um, And they... Um, are talking about what to do with Theoden's remain. Like, Theoden has been kind of temporarily interred at the same place where all the kings yeah. of Gondor have been. And right. um, Aemir is basically like, yeah, that works for now. Like, we have some, uh, we have some like, immediate stuff to take care of. Um, when all is made ready, we will return for him. But here, let him sleep for a while. Which, yeah. Yeah. And Eowyn... Yeah is going to return with Faramir to, like, take care of some things and return then... Return with Aemir. Did I... What did I say? Faramir. I'm bad at this. It's okay. Uh, to, like, take care of business before she goes to live in Athelion. Yeah. Um, the hobbits still remained in Minas Tirith with Legolas and Gimli for Aragon... Or for... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Just kidding. We psyched everyone out. This is our fucking 22nd episode pivot to a Christopher Paulini show. Okay. For Ottergorn was loth. Was loath? Loath. Yeah, it's just spelled loth here, but it's loath. Was loath for the fellowship to be dissolved. Um, I love that Ottergorn is like, no, I just want to keep hanging out with you guys. Yeah. Please, please stick around. Also, yeah. there's an event coming up. Hint, hint. Wink, wink, wink. Can't tell you what it is, and I don't know when it'll happen, but just just stick around, guys. Yeah. Um, And Gandalf is also cryptic about it, but eventually it becomes clear that Ottergorn is waiting for Arwen to show up so they can get married. Also, he and Gandalf climb a mountain and find a sapling of the tree because in the book, the tree does not just start blooming again. It is dead and has to be uprooted and laid to rest in the tombs and a new tree planted. But there is one growing on the mountain. 
Yeah, and, and then, yes, which, like, okay, fine, whatever. I Not that interesting. Except that, like, from, like, a generational burden viewpoint, it's, like, someone, God knows how long ago, like, the seeds of this tree are weird and, like, basically, like, go into stasis for, you know, yeah. who knows how long. And so, like, planting those trees was an act of, like, kind of blind faith by someone in the past that now they are, like, reaping the benefits of. And I kind of, I love yeah. those kind of yeah narratives. Um, they also, mm-hmm. when they are, like, up on top of the mountain, kind of, like, looking at everything out before them, there's a, a Tolkienism that I want to shout out really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, which is that he says, um, they're, like, looking over everything between them and the sea. On the other side, they saw the river like a ribbon laid down to Pelagir, and beyond that was a light on the hem of the sky that spoke of the sea, which mm. I really like. Yeah. And then the elves show up on the very eve of midsummer. Elrohir and Eladan. Those guys. Uh, with, love them. Yep. Yep. Glorfindel and Aristor and all the household of Rivendell, Lady Galadriel and Celeborn, riding upon white steeds, Hell horses. Yeah. And with them many fair folk of their land, gray cloaked with white gems in their hair. And last came Master Elrond, mighty among elves and men, bearing the scepter of a Numenos. And beside him upon a gray palfrey, also a horse, rode Arwen, his daughter, even star of her people. Were you familiar with the word palfrey? Um, yes, but I don't actually remember what it means. Like, I have absolutely encountered it in, like, historical fiction and whatever else, but I don't... Yeah, palfrey... So palfrey is a word that refers to a style, not a breed of horse. Um, It's, like, yeah, a word that's... from the Middle Ages. Basically, it's, it's like, an easy riding horse. It's something with, um, like, yeah. a, a gait and stamina that is comfortable to be, like, ridden over long periods of time. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, like, the the first definition that comes up is a docile horse used for ordinary riding, especially by women. Mm. Um, again, the soup. But, the, su- the soup! Uh, but that is the, the kind of connotation I had was like, ah, uh, that's a lady's horse. Yeah, totally. Um, um, yeah. And it's interesting, too, because... Um, not not that we're, like, super knowledgeable about horses, but, like, I feel like very much the way that the world thinks about horses now is, like, by breed and less, like, the job mm. that they are designed for. And, like, in the middle, mm-hmm. in the, you know, in the medieval times, from what I understand of, like, horse husbandry back then, like, breeds were not as much of a thing. Instead, it was this, like, breeding like for a a purpose in that kind of I mean breeds have purposes as well but it, yeah. it's a it's a different way of of thinking about animal husbandry which is kind of interesting. Yes, I think there's yeah, uh we are in an era of breed obsession. Yeah. Um I mean which you see in dogs too, right? And it doesn't it's not good for yeah. the dogs generally speaking like to kind of go to these extremes of yeah. Breed characteristics. Palfrey um, is great, though, because it's a cute word, but also that's, like, that's a word that you can point at and go immediately, like, that's, that's a fucking medieval word. That a that word is from the Middle yeah. Ages. Yep. Can I read the last sentence Of here? course. 
And Aragorn the king Elisar wedded Arwen Andomiel in the city of the kings upon the day of midsummer, and the tale of their long waiting and labors was come to fulfillment. And that is the end of chapter five. Yeah. Yeah, man, I, you know, I know we're hot and cold sometimes on the adaptational choices of the movies, but I do feel like they fucking killed it about, like, everything between the battle and them going home. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, we're on to our final chapter for today, Many Partings. Hell yeah. Chapter six, Many Partings. When the days of rejoicing were over, at last the companions thought of returning to their own homes. Yeah. Yeah. They're just fucking hanging out. Arwen is singing a song. They're all, like, chilling by the fountain, which sounds lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Aragorn and Arwen are chilling by the fountain while Arwen sings, and Frodo goes and, and finds them there. And, yes. Yeah. <laughs> You know. Yeah. And he asks if he can leave. Yeah, specifically um, because um, he misses and is worried about Bilbo. Yes. And Aragorn says, yep, we're going to leave in seven days because I'm going with you as far as Rohan. Um, yeah. And then, um, yeah, yeah. The th- they're all going to ride together. And Arwen says... A gift I will give you, for I am the daughter of Elrond. I shall not go with him now when he departs to the Havens, for mine is the choice of Luthien, and as she, so have I chosen, both the sweet and the bitter. But in my stead, you shall go, ring-bearer, when the time comes, and if you then desire it. If your hurt grieves you still, and the memory of your burden is heavy, then you may pass into the West, until your wounds and weariness are healed." Which, yeah, like, it's not just that Frodo gets to go, it's that, like, Arwen gives him her spot. Yeah. God. Alongside Elrond. Yeah. I'm fucking sick of him, you can have him. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's, yeah. And that's not at all the characterization, I'm just, just I know. I'm just teasing. Because we have that moment later. I know, it's really good. Tell us about uh, their goodbye. Yeah. But yeah, um, and she gives him a white gem, like a star, that lay upon her breast, hanging upon a silver chain, and she set the chain about Frodo's neck. When the memory of the fear and the darkness troubles you, she said, this will bring you aid. You know, in the movie, and this makes perfect sense, but like, we talk about the even star which I don't, do they actually even call it that in the movie? Yeah. Okay. Anyways, which is like the necklace that Arwen gives Otacorn. And then, and then that is the necklace that Arwen gives Frodo in like this scene in the movie. In the book, that's not like, Otacorn wears that green gem. Which is called the Elfstone. And I think that was a good adaptational choice because it's much easier to get behind the even star than it is the elf stone as a yes yeah 21st Arwen is called the even stone or the the even, even star, star. Right. like Arwen is the even star of her people and I mean and and for that matter Ottergorn is called elf stone Elisar like that's um but 
but yeah, there's the green gem is like the thing. And then there's just this other random necklace that Arwen is wearing that she gives to Frodo. Yeah. Yeah. It's that it's a really smooth choice to kind of blend those down yes. into one and give it that significant. And again, to not call it the elf stone, which is pretty like we took, we'd like to joke about how thin your suspension of disbelief is, but I think that would test anyone's. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, and they're getting ready to go, but Aemir and Gimli have business to attend to. Yes. Uh, Aemir comes to Gimli, um, and says, have you your axe ready? (laughs) And Gimli's like, no, but I can grab it. And Aemir says, you shall judge, for there are certain rash words concerning the lady in the golden wood that lie still between us, and now I have seen her with my eyes. Well, Lord, said Gimli, and what say you now? Alas, said Aemir, I will not say that she is the fairest lady that lives. Then I must go for my axe, said Gimli. But first I will plead this excuse, said Aemir. Had I seen her in other company, I would have said all that you could wish. But now I will put Queen Arwen even star first, and I am ready to do battle on my own part with any who deny me. Shall I call for my sword? Then Gimli bowed low. Nay, you are excused for my part, lord, he said. You have chosen the evening, but my love is given to the morning, and my heart forebodes that soon it will pass away forever. Oh, which is sad. Yeah, but also, like, two wife guys alike in dignity. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Look, then... Gimli loves blondes. Like, that's just... Who he who he is in his heart, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Um... <laughs> And then um, everyone gets ready to depart the city together. Yes, and there's a horse reference. Uh, I mean, one, like, the the riders of Rohan are here to pick up Theoden's body. Um, and it says, For the other companions, steeds were furnished according to their stature. And Frodo and Samwise rode at Aragorn's side, and Gandalf rode upon Shadowfax, and Pippin rode with the Knights of Gondor, and Legolas and Gimli, as ever, rode together upon Arad. Which is great. You may notice that Mary was missing from that list, and that's because in the graph before, there's there's a wain, like a cart, that's carrying Theoden. And Mary, uh-huh. being Theoden's esquire, rode upon the wain and kept the arms of the king. Which is like, Aww. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and they get back to... Celeborn Edras. and Galadriel are here. Oh, yes. I mean, they, 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 they came for the first thing, right? When did they get here? They, they came... Yeah, they they came for the wedding and yeah. have just stayed. Right, 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 right. But they're all going for Theoden's funeral. Mm-hmm. They get to Edoras, they have the funeral... Then the riders of the king's house upon white horses rode round about the barrow and sang together a song of Theoden Thangle's son that Gleowine his minstrel made, and he made no other song after. The slow voices of the riders stirred the hearts even of those who did not know the speech of that people, but the words of the song brought a light to the eyes of the folk of the mark, as they heard again afar the thunder of the hooves on the north, and the voice of Aorl crying above the battle upon the field of Celebrant, and the tale of the kings rolled on, 
and the horn of Helm was loud in the mountains, until the darkness came, and King Theoden arose and rode through the shadow to the fire, and died in splendor, even as the sun, returning beyond hope, gleamed upon Mindoluin in the morning. Yeah. But Mary stood at the foot of the green mound, and he wept, and when the song was ended, he arose and cried, Theoden king, Theoden king, farewell, as a father you were to me, for a little while, farewell. Buddy. Yeah. Yeah. And then they return, and there's like a feast and things, um, and Aemer announces the betrothal of Eowyn and Faramir. And, yeah, and Eowyn, um, Aragorn says uh, something about, like, giving, Eomer giving Gondor the fairest thing in your realm, which... Yeah, that is generous. Yeah, yes, Uh soupy. And then Eowyn looked in the eyes of Aragorn, and she said, Wish me joy, my liege lord and healer. And he answered, I have wished thee joy ever since I first saw thee. It heals my heart now to see thee in bliss. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, some people remain there, um, but the people of Lorien and of Rivendell and Ottergorn and his knights um, get ready to go. Yeah, this is almost, this is almost like more like bittersweet because you have like the last final push of everyone like journeying together and then kind of being winnowed away. Yeah. God, it's yeah. like the quest happening again. Yeah, I mean, we... Well, did we talk about this with Mary Clay? Oh, yeah, I think we did. Yeah, that, that was so long of, ago. It's like yeah. in reverse... I mean, it's it's in the next chapter in, in Homeward Bound. But, like, you know, we kind of have this going in reverse. Like, Ottergorn says goodbye to them, and then Gandalf says goodbye to them, and then, like, it's just yeah. the hobbits left again. Yeah. Um, and it's not, I mean, it's not a perfect, like, mirror, but it has, yeah. It, there's it, there's a resonance there. Yeah. 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 Um, Elrond and Arwen are separating here, because Arwen is going to remain in Edoras, presumably until Ottergorn gets back, and then they go back to Minas Tirith together, but Elrond is continuing on to Rivendell. Um... And it says, none saw her last meeting with Elrond, her father, for they went up into the hills and there spoke long together, and bitter was their parting that should endure beyond the ends of the world. So that's like, that's it. That's their last time seeing each other. And this is a, I think this is a really clever word, word choice here. Like they mean beyond the ends of the world, because we know Elrond is literally going to like sail away to the Grey Havens. But also, yeah. like, the ends of the world and, like, the world the world has ended in several ways here. Yeah. 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 <sighs> um, and Aemir and Eowyn um, want to give Mary a gift. And it's... Yes. Before, sorry, before they give him the gift, they say, Farewell now, Mariadoc of the Shire and Holdwine of the Mark. Do they give him a Rohan name? Is that his Rohan name? And is it Holdwine? As in he is good at oh, holding his I didn't, wine? I was thinking it was more of like a, 
like a title. Yeah. No, Holdwine of the Shire is the name given to Mariadoc among the Rohirrim and used by them to record his deeds in their annals. Yeah. Oh, one of the, so it's, the word is Old English, but the meaning is never given explicitly. There are several possible interpretations, one of which is faithful friend. Hold is Mm. faithful and wine is friend. Okay. Yeah, so he gets a Rohirrim name. Loyalty. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, we could use that for a horse also. Mm, okay, hold on. Let me, um, okay, great. Um, and yes, they gave him a gift. Yeah, which is, uh, the, the naming is so much more important than the horn. I just wanted to mention the horn. They give him a nice horn because it has horsemen riding in a line upon it that wound from the tip to the mouth. Uh, and it's like a family heirloom. Yep. And Mary takes the horn, for it could not be refused, and he kissed Eowyn's hand, and they embraced him, and so they parted for that time. Well. For that time implies that they see each other again. Yeah. I don't think it's goodbye forever for all of these people, you know? Like, yeah. it's goodbye forever for Arwen and Elrond, because Elrond is going to leave in a year. Right. Um, and they're not going to take another huge journey before then. But, like, Mary is going to stick around and have a long life. Yeah. Yeah. That's comforting. Yeah. Um, now the guests were ready and they drank the stirrup cup. And with great praise and friendship they departed and came at length to Helm's Deep and there they rested two days. Um, do you know about stirrup cups? I assume it's like a little ceremonial cup that you drink as you're leaving. Basically, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, Stirrup cup also refers to like the kind of cup that was used. They're Mm. a whole kind of like genre of things. And they were often like shaped like animal heads. Oh, So like when the cup is upside down the animal head like points up. So they're not ever meant to be set on a table, right? Like they, they stay upside down until like something is poured into them and then it's handed to you you at the stirrup and you drink it. Um, But yeah, there's in Ella Enchanted, the book, uh, there's a reference to a stirrup cup because that one elf or whoever who makes like beautiful sculptures like shows ella a stirrup cup you are assuming i remember far more about ella enchanted than i do i'm telling our listeners okay shaped like i'm trying to remember if that was a wolf but yeah and i guess i never really registered like what that meant but then when i saw it here i was like oh i should look that up yeah and so i did yeah it's yeah, it, that that's all. It's about what I thought it would be. It's neat. I'm looking at some yeah. pictures of stirrup cup shaped like hound's head and wolf head. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, really like a uh, very much part of you know the hunt culture. Like <laughs> yeah, um, hound hound and horse hunting. Um, then Legolas repaid his promise to Gimli and went with him to the glittering caves. And when they returned, he was silent and would say only that Gimli alone could find fit words to speak of them. 
And never before has a dwarf claimed a victory over an elf in a contest of words, said he. Now, therefore, let us go to Fangorn and set the score right. Good stuff. Yep. Uh, they get to Isengard, hang out with the Ents for a minute. Treebeard says that uh, he let Saruman go. There's a couple. Yeah, I want to read a few of these passages, if that's yeah, okay. Yeah, go for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, I this is just good. Um, Aragorn is, like, thanking Treebeard for his service and says, uh, Never shall it be forgotten in Minas Tirith or in Edoras. And... Never is too long a word, even for me, said Treebeard, which I like. There's a scale of time there, you know? Yeah. And so (laughs) Gandalf and Treebeard are talking about Saruman, and Treebeard keeps referring to him in the past tense. Gandalf says, I observe, my good Fangorn, that with great care you say dwelt, was, grew. What about is? Is he dead? (laughs) (laughs) And Treebeard says, no, that he let him go. And this is an interesting, um, we've talked about there, you know, and through a certain frame, there being like an interesting kind of like anti-carceral stance in these books, which Mm -hmm. Treebeard echoes here. He says, um, now do not tell me, Gandalf, that I promised to keep him safe, for I know it, but things have changed since then, and I kept him until he was safe safe from doing any more harm. You should know that above all, I hate the caging of living things, and I will not keep even such creatures as these caged beyond great need. A snake without fangs may crawl where he will. Yeah, and Gandalf says, you may be right, but this snake had still one tooth left, I think. He had the poison of his voice, and I guess that he persuaded you, even you, Treebeard, knowing the soft spot in your heart. Well, he is gone and there is no more to be said. And so, yeah, I mean, we, like, this does have consequences, but no one in the book ever treats it like, ugh, how could you let him go? Like, now everything is ruined. Like, they're yeah. all like, yeah, you know, that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I mean, and even, I mean, even Gandalf has been, you know, like, swayed by Saruman at points. Yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. But this is this is where the elves are now departing the party. They're all turning away. Yes. Yes. Um but Legolas, you know, stays and takes Gimli into Fangorn. <laughs> Which Gimli um, is not excited about. No, but does agree. Um and then and then Legolas says you shall come with me and keep your word, and thus we will journey on together to our own lands in Mirkwood and beyond. And so, I mean, they're going to stay together. They're, you know, they're going to explore Fangorn and then continue on together because they're married. Yeah. And then Aragorn says the title of the thing. Here then at last comes the ending of the Fellowship of the Ring. Hmm. And Kimli and Legolas essentially agree to prom. They, like, promise to visit at some point. But he says, We will send word when we may, and some of us may yet meet again at times, but I fear that we shall not all be gathered together ever again. Yeah. And Uh, and there are various goodbyes. Yeah, Treebeard and Mary, um, Treebeard, Mary, and Pippin drink one last int draught, which is cute. 
Yes. Um, and the old Ent grew gayer as he looked at them, Merry and Pippin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the, the next person to peel off in the party is Aragorn himself. And the hobbits were grieved at this parting, for Aragorn had never failed them, and he had been their guide through many perils. Yeah. And Pippin says something Wait, about where, wanting a palantir why, again. Where is Aragorn going at this point? Is he just going back home? I assume he's going back home. Okay. I think yeah. Aragorn basically, like, escorted them as far as he felt yeah. he could escort yeah. them. And he says, like, my kingdom... Basically, he says, like, Peregrine, like, you are a knight of Gondor. Like, I do not release you from your service. We're just putting it on pause. And remember, dear friends of the Shire, that my realm lies also in the north, and I shall come there one day. Yeah. I always forget what directions are what in here. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then Aragorn is also, you know, taking leave of Celeborn and Galadriel, and Galadriel says to him, says to him, Elfstone, through darkness, you have come to your hope and have now all your desire. All you, yeah, all your desire. Use well the days. But Celeborn says, kinsmen, farewell. May your doom be other than mine and your treasure remain with you to the end. Which, ugh, bud. Yeah. And we get another horse description here. With that, they parted. And then it was the time of sunset. And when after a while they turned and looked back, they saw the king of the West sitting upon his horse and his knights about him. Um, and Aragorn holds up the elf stone, so there's like a, a, a flash of green fire from his hand, and that is the last we see of him. <sighs> and there you know, journeying through a wood, climbing down from the hills at the feet of the Misty Mountains when they come upon Saruman and Grima. Yeah. Um, and they, Saruman and Grima are in, like, rough shape. And Galadriel and Gandalf offer to help. And Saruman predictably, like, spits upon that offer. Um, and then... Uh, we, we do get a flash of what's about to come here because Gandalf is, you know, says to Grima, like, Grima is kind of muttering to himself about how much he hates Saruman because he's beaten and abused. And Gandalf says to him, leave him. But Wormtongue only shot a glance of his bleared eyes full of terror at Gandalf and then shuffled quickly past behind Saruman. As the wretched pair passed by, the company came to the hobbits, and Saruman stopped and stared at them, but they looked at him with pity. And then he asks them for weed, and Mary's like, yeah, sure, I'll give you what I have left, um, but says, like, but give me the pouch back, uh, and then Saruman runs off with the pouch. Yeah. <laughs> but he says... Well, it will serve you right when you come home, if you find things less good in the South Farthing than you would like. Long may your land be short of leaf. Um, and Sam says, and I didn't like the sound of what he said about the South Farthing. It's time we got back. Yeah. And they they pass by the, the gates of Moria, and they stop again because the... Um, elven part of the party is about to like split and leave yes but 
um, Celeborn and Galadriel and Elrond and Gandalf are kind of, they, they need some time to talk about everything. Um, often, long after the hobbits were wrapped in sleep, they would sit together under the stars, recalling the ages that were gone and all their joys and labors in the world, or holding counsel concerning the days to come. If any wanderer had chanced to pass, little would he have seen or heard, and it would have seemed to him only that he saw grey figures carved in stone, memorials of forgotten things now lost in unpeopled lands, for they did not move or speak with mouth, looking from mind to mind, and only their shining eyes stirred and kindled as their thoughts went to and fro. Yeah. Which is, you know, lovely and poignant, but I also, again, love, like, this, we were just talking about the books reminding you that, like, elves are something other. Yes. They are not simply aesthetically different. Yes. And as they leave, Sam turns away and sighs and says, I wish I was going back to Lorien. Sam just loves elves so much. He does. Yeah. And then they reach Rivendell. Yeah. And first of all, before they had eaten or washed or even shed their cloaks, the hobbits went in search of Bilbo. Mm-hmm. They found him all alone in his little room. It was littered with papers and pens and pencils, but Bilbo was sitting in a chair before a small, bright fire. He looked very old, but peaceful and sleepy. Mm-hmm. This this Bilbo stuff, like, really hits me. Like, both as, you know, as someone who is, like, you know, my grandparents have died in the last few years. And, yeah. and kind of having seen that diminishment firsthand, this, you know, the way that, that Bilbo is diminished and the, the love of how the hobbits treat him, it just... It really gets me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Bilbo says, Hello, hello, he said. So you've come back. And tomorrow's my birthday, too. How clever of you. Do you know I shall be 129? And in one year more, if I am spared, I shall equal the old Took. I should like to beat him, but we shall see. Good Bilbo voice. Thank you. Yeah, and they they spend time with Bilbo, like, telling him their story because, ostensibly, he's going to write it as he wrote his own story. Yeah, it says, at first he pretended to take some notes, but he often fell asleep, and when he woke, he would say, how splendid, how wonderful, but but where were we? Then they went on with the story (laughs) from the point where he had begun to nod. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really good. The, just the the tenderness of how the hobbits treat him yeah. uh, really gets me. Um, and then one, uh, when nearly a fortnight had passed, uh, Frodo looked out of his window and saw that there had been a frost in the night. Then suddenly he knew that he must go and say goodbye to Bilbo. Because October had come. Um, yeah. 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 And then um, I... Yes, so they they decide that they they need to go home, um, and they you know tell this to Elrond and Gandalf, and Gandalf 
says he's going to go with them, which they're very excited about. And very ominously for Butterbur, he says, I think I shall come too, at least as far as Bree. I want to see Butterbur. Yes. <laughs> Butter- Butterbur, run! If he forgets, I shall roast him! <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and they go to say goodbye to Bilbo, and, um... <laughs> yeah. Bilbo <laughs> is passing out gifts. You know, he gives Frodo the mithril coat and sting, which he has already given Frodo many times over. Yeah. Um, and some books. And to Sam, he gave a little bag of gold. Almost the last drop of the smog vintage, he said. May come in useful if you think of getting married, Sam. And Sam blushed. I love, like, I understand that Sam is going to marry Rosie, but I feel like Bilbo is like, okay, my nephew's gardener wants to marry him and does not have, you know, the wealth that my family has. So I'm going to give him this gold so that he can, like, you know... It absolutely feels like Bilbo, like, blessing their marriage. It's yes. so good. Yeah. And Marion, to Marion Pippin, he says, I have nothing much to give you, young fellows, except good advice. <laughs> and when he had given them a fair sample of this, he added a last item in Shire fashion. Don't let your heads get too big for your hats. But if you don't finish growing up soon, you're going to find hats and clothes expensive. Yep. And then he, in fact, gives them some like beautiful pipes but yeah it's it's very good bilbo inquires after the ring one last time yeah. and frodo says uh i lost it bilbo dear i got rid of it you know bilbo says what a pity i should have liked to see it again but no how silly of me that's what you went for wasn't it to get rid of it but it is also confusing for such a lot of other things seem to have got mixed up with it Aragorn's affairs, and the White Council, and Gondor, and the Horsemen, and Southrons, and Oliphants. Did you really see one, Sam? And caves, and towers, and golden trees, and goodness knows what besides. Yeah. And then he sings um, his, his song, Once More the Road Goes Ever On and On. Yeah, but this is, um, this is a different stanza than he sang earlier. Yeah. Um, have, about is this have we we re, did we rewrite this one? Yeah, I think we did. Okay, about a stable. Okay, yeah, I like I've set this one to music, which I sent you at one point. Yeah, this and the first stanza, which I really like. I want to do more with that, but um, but I want to read this stanza right now since we're not going to. Yeah, do it. The road goes ever on and on. Out from the door where it began. Now far ahead the road has gone. Let others follow it who can. Let them a journey new begin. But I at last with weary feet will turn towards the lighted inn, my evening rest and sleep to meet. And as Bilbo murmured the last words, his head dropped on his chest and he slept soundly. Yeah. Hmm. And then, God, this whole, this whole, like, vignette at the end gets me. The evening deepened in the room, and the firelight burned brighter, and they looked at Bilbo as he slept, and saw that his face was smiling. For some time they sat in silence, and then Sam, looking round at the room, and the shadows flickering on the walls, said softly, I don't think, Mr. Frodo, that he's done much writing while we've been away. 
He won't ever write our story now. At that, Bilbo opened an eye, almost as if he had heard. Then he roused himself. You see, I am getting so sleepy, he said, and when I have time to write, I only really like writing poetry. I wonder, Frodo, my dear fellow, if you would very much mind tidying things up a bit before you go. Collect all my notes and papers, and my diary too, and take them with you, if you will. You see, I haven't much time for the selection and the arrangement and all that. Get Sam to help, and when you've knocked things into shape, come back and I'll run over it. I won't be too critical. Hmm. <sighs> yeah. And Frodo says he will, of course, do that. Um, and the next day, they leave. As Frodo stood upon the threshold, Elrond wished him a fair journey and blessed him, and he said, I think, Frodo, that maybe you will not need to come back, unless you come very soon. For about this time of the year, when the leaves are gold before they fall, look for Bilbo in the woods of the Shire. I shall be with him. These words no one else heard, and Frodo kept them to himself. I know. And that's the end of many partings. It's the end of my partings. Mm. Next uh, episode, obviously we're going to cover a section of the movie, but the next book episode will be chapters 7, 8, and 9, the final chapters of The Return of the King. Oh my god, oh my god. The last. Doesn't feel real. Doesn't feel real. What was your favorite horse? from today uh arwen's gray palfrey nice i like how about you ottergorn's horse when he was all like illuminated by the setting sun Mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. he looked back at the fellowship yeah and i think that brings us to vow number three yeah what song are we gonna rewrite we had a few but yeah we actually had a few super rhymey or um yeah so there's the song that the host sings in praise of sam and frodo at the fields of cormolan um but that a lot of that is in elvish so i don't know if that's a great fit for us there's the sing now song that the eagle sings to bring word to minas tirith um of the Shadow's Defeat. Yes. There's also Legolas's song about the sea. Oh, that's true. Which is, I think, what I... What you're leaning towards. I'm inclined to. Oh, there's also... There's also Théoden's funeral song. Mm, oh, yeah. Out of doubt, out of dark, to the day's rising, he rode singing in the sun, sword unsheathing. And then three more lines. Yeah. Um, man, this is like a whole buffet. We've had like so many chapters without any songs and now we got choices. I think we should do Legolas's To the Sea song. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tolkien Mm -hmm. is not at his best with meter here, especially toward the end. Some of it works better than other bits. Um, this is in Minas Tirith, right? Yes, it's in the field of Cormolin. Uh, still like near, very near the end of that chapter. Okay. 
Oh, I found it. Yeah, okay. Do you want me to read it initially? Yes, please. Okay. To the sea, to the sea, the white gulls are crying. The wind is blowing and the white foam is flying. West, west, away, the round sun is falling. Gray ship, gray ship, do you hear them calling? The voices of my people that have gone before me. I will leave, I will leave the woods that bore me. For our days are ending and our years failing. I will pass the wide waters, lonely sailing. Long are the waves on the last shore falling. Sweet are the voices in the lost isle calling. In heresy, in elven home that no man can discover. Where the leaves fall not, land of my people forever. Okay, that last couplet does not work. <laughs> nope, I mean it does the way I read them, but you have to really, like... You lose meaning in the last lines because it's where the leaves fall, not colon, land of my people forever. But you have to, like, not take a breath there at all. And, and yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. Question. Do you think the line, I will leave the woods that bore me as, like, bore me as in, like, I am from there or, like, the, I'm bored I am by them. I am over it. Uh, okay. Oh, I don't have my notebook here. I'm a fool. Mm. Hmm. Hey, Joey. Yeah. What gives horses ennui? Um. Hmm. What evokes in them a sense of longing and loss? Do you ever feel like a plastic bag? Um... <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> mm. Yeah. This might be a toughie. Um, I guess. I mean, I think from horses, a horse's perspective. Horses yeah. that cannot run are sad. Yeah, because their circulatory system don't work because horse plumbing is fucked up. Yeah. I'm thinking of... But, like, horses want... Wide open spaces. Oh Sorry. my god, what is, the, what is happening? What is happening? Um, god. I'm thinking of Black Beauty, like the kind of mm. refrain for Black Beauty is like remembering the pasture where he was born with his mother. Yeah. But also, like, there is this theme of, um, people not sort of recognizing the dignity and worth of horses mm -hmm. undervaluing them etc but okay do so your angle here so far is to write this from the perspective of horses no it needn't be i think that's which, just kind of our go-to right um, I mean, it, I feel like it was initially and then we have departed from that. Yeah. in various ways, but what are, so, I mean, literally like, I mean, we absolutely could do that because there's, you know, this like to the sea and it could be, you know, to, to the hills essentially, like mm. to the plains, whatever. Um, yeah. 
like spirit wanting to return to, you know, running with his herd. Yeah, I'm surprised she didn't go free. To... <laughs> free as the wind blows. Um free as the grass grows. Do 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 What is that from? I don't know. Oh, that's born free. Oh, okay. Um uh, so, I mean, that absolutely works. We could also make it about our own longing to be with horses, on horses, around horses. To the yeah. barn, to the barn. <laughs> the horses are neighing. <laughs> I'm fine either way. I just want to make a decision. Well, I was go. trying to figure out the like mood board for this and now I'm just watching a, a live performance of Brian Adams performing the Sigh and the Spirit soundtrack. Oh my god. Um Yeah, yeah, because I don't know I don't know that I won't I don't know that I can embody a horse enough to speak to horse on Wii today. Yeah? Do oh do you think I'm capable of it? I don't know. I I don't think I am, you know? That's a tall order. Uh, no, I think I like your... I think I like your horse idea. Okay. Um, okay. 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 Uh, to the barn, to the barn, the horses are neighing. Let's start there and see where we okay. get to. Okay. To the barn. Um, I think... Let's see. Wait. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Yeah, we're 12. definitely not gonna do twelve all lines. Of this. So let's let's aim for six lines. Let's aim for half. Perfect. So and this is just A A B B C C. Yes. Yep. So we need a rhyme for neighing. Um, there's obviously saying, slaying, haying, haying, <laughs> weighing, sashaying. Ooh. Allaying or saying. Okay, wait. I like weighing because that can we can have some human ennui there. Like to the barn, to the barn. Wait, hold on. Ooh, okay. To the barn, to the barn. The ennui is weighing. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. I need to be where the horses, the horses are, are neighing. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. Um, west, west away, the round sun is falling. Gray ship, gray ship, do you hear them calling? The The repetition of gray ship there feels extremely nursery rhymey. Yeah, it reminds me of brown bear, brown bear. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Um, um, yeah, I mean, do you want to uh, reflect that in some way? No. Okay. <laughs> I just... I mean, there's um, I various kind of repetition like, here, like, to the sea, to the sea, west, west, away, uh, I will leave, I will leave. Yeah. You know. I, I think I like the away here. We could, like, we could, and we could keep the uh, the repetition of, like, out, out, away. I need to be riding. Yeah, yeah. Something about, because, I mean, part of the appeal of horses, obviously, is the shared appeal of nature. Yeah. Um, out, out, away. I, 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 to... I long. I long to be riding. Um, what rhymes with riding? 
hiding, siding, residing, eliding, <laughs> uh, chiding. Oh, oh, that's probably stupid. Never mind. What? No, what? <laughs> I was gonna say, well, we could do, um, we could do chiding and do like no inner voice chiding, it, like about mm. about how like writing is about stepping outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, okay, out, 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 away. I long to be writing. No inner voice chiding. No, you know. And then the next line would be like something. Ugh, but the next well, line is a couplet. Yeah, but we could have a you, couplet about like you. There is something that would have to go before no inner voice chiding. It's not long so, enough. Yes. I was um, thinking about more of a, like, I long to be riding, like, over the hills, like, golden hour lighting, or, you know. <laughs> gonna, ri- gonna ride out of sighting. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out, out, um, away. Over, over the hills, my cares eliding. I don't know if that. One. <laughs> um. Oh, we could do cares subsiding. Ooh, yeah. Out, out, away. I long to be riding over the hills. My cares. Over the hills, my cares subsiding. When I'm on a horse, no inner voice chide. Well, we need a, another rhyme now, but chides me something something. Because yeah, now we, we need a different rhyme. Yeah. yeah, um, I I don't even care where we start. I would where we end. I would like to start with when I'm on a horse. <laughs> when I'm on a horse, I... nothing else matters. Oh, yeah. I was going to say... On my like... own two feet, I couldn't be sadder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I was going to say, when I'm on a horse, I feel like I'm flying. But I I do like nothing else matters. Hold on. Gotta look at rhymes for matters. Else matters. Um, I There's see. not a lot. Smatters, splatters, <laughs> scatters, clatters. When I'm on a flatters. horse, nothing else matters. We're going really fast. I hope I don't splatter. <laughs> um, we can. I mean, we can go with flying because I feel like that's probably easier to rhyme with. Probably. When I'm on a horse, I feel like I'm flying. Uh. What rhymes with flying other than dying? dying? Crying, crying, lying, trying, spying, defying. Okay, I know I said we said other than dying. How about undying? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Do you have Do you have more or? Uh, no. When I'm on a horse, I feel like I'm flying. No cares can catch me. Something, something, undying. Wait, wait, okay, I want, I want the last two words to be eternal undying. So, like, we're describing something like my 
love for these horses, eternal undying. Mm-mm. Okay. So, you know, something along yeah. those lines. Um. Um. Mm, my spirit is free. Eternal undying. Comma. So, so in that case, free. It's free, like M dash, and then eternal, comma undying. Undying. Yeah. 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 But I like the I. It's I like the the nod to it's, spirit stallion what, of the Cimarron. Well, what that's... if what if we did like his last line? My spirit is free. Colon eternal, comma undying. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay. I feel like we could have banged out six more, TBH, but I don't think we need to. No. Okay. Um, <sighs> do you want to do the first couplet? I'll do the middle and you'll take the third? Yes, unless you want to alternate lines. Oh, we could do that. Okay. To the barn, to the barn, the ennui is weighing. <laughs> I was reading along in my head and I swapped it for the ennui is neighing. (laughs) Do you want me to start that again? Yes, please. To the barn, to the barn, the ennui is weighing. I need to be out where the horses are neighing. Out, out, away, I long to be riding. Over the hills, my cares subsiding. When I'm on a horse, I feel like I'm flying. My spirit is free. Eternal, undying. Hell yeah. Wow. Wow, and they're fucking gerunds all the way down. Yeah. Boom. Poem. Done. Let's move on to our fourth and final vow. Um, I think- Gondor calls for aid? Gondor Gondor calls for aid. A beacon is lit. The beacon, it, it's lit. Um, this beacon is lit, bro. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, I'm sorry to everyone. Yeah, that and Ethan and Aaron, you're on a fucking tear today. Friend of the show, Ben at Glenitron says, which part of the Shire produces the best ponies and what qualities are they breeding for? Suggested names of studs or bloodlines welcome. I don't know why Ben thinks we can answer this question. I I think Ben is inviting us to come up with some fucking stuff. Okay. Um... I wonder- Wait, can you- sorry, can you repeat the question? Which part of the Shire produces the best ponies and what qualities are they breeding for? Suggested names of studs or bloodlines. Welcome. Okay. 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 I think somewhere of the- I love the names of the studs or the bloodlines. Um- I imagine that they breed very excellent little, like, pot-bellied draft ponies, and they the na- they refer to them as beer barrels. Mmm. Okay. I'm, I'm looking back at the prologue concerning hobbits. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because I know that there's stuff about kind of like the different branches of hobbits and maybe about different areas in the Shire, and I wanted to see if there was anything mm -hmm. helpful. Um, like, I feel like, sorry, it's hard to find what I'm looking for here. My point is the brandy bucks, mm -hmm. the whatever, the hobbits that Mary comes from that are better at water, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think breed taller ponies. Okay, yeah. Because... They need to ford streams and things sometimes. Yeah. And a little more height allows them to get through deeper water. I mean, I guess horses can swim if they actually believe that they can. Um. <laughs> they breed such self-confident horses. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. That's the thing that comes to mind there. I don't know if there is like a hillier area in the Shire, but I also imagine breeding ponies that are good on rough terrain. Mm. I don't know what makes a pony good on rough terrain, yeah. but, you know, strong ankles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do, what do you think like horse naming? I mean, we've named some Shire horses. Do you think they do like... You know, like, how horse breed names work today, where they're strange and, like, wordplay-based, and some element of it is, like, passed along generationally, you know? I don't know anything about how breed lines or horse studs are named. No, no, no. I, like, think about, okay, think about, um, like, racehorse names. Yeah, but, like, I, you know more about that than I do, is what I'm telling okay, you. Okay, hold on. So, like, I know that racehorse names are weird, and I have read some of them, but I don't have very much sense of, like, what contributes to how they are named. So, like, there's frequently, like, so if you have, the, the, like joke because a lot of the names are like joke based or wordplay based one generation passes down some part of the name to the next generation okay. so for instance like um sea biscuit who's this like really famous right racehorse I right saw the movie <laughs> right mm -hmm. exactly so like some other horses from sea biscuits family tree like down the line are like hardtack, which then in the next generation becomes tea biscuit, and the next generation becomes tea's over, and the next generation becomes tea rose. Okay. Or like on the other side is like whisk broom the second becomes broomstick becomes bin brush. Like they kind of some Ruth form of it like bin brush, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Some some <laughs> part of it like stays some part of the name gets, like, passed on like that, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, one of them is named Fair Play, which is a great name for a horse. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you think great. hobbits do that? Or is it very much, like, <laughs> this is the sixth horse named Comfrey, you know? Mm. I don't know. For whatever reason, what's coming to mind 
is the that like British um, locale naming convention convention of like Stratford on Avon, like which is like the a town on a river, right? Mm, yeah. But I and this isn't so that's not the same thing at all, and I don't know why like what what my brain is trying to to do here, but I'm just thinking about like I don't know, like clover on something Mm -hmm. but i don't i don't know what that like yeah that's yeah no there's there's something interesting there um um oh cute one of um one of seabiscuit's great 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 grand dame was named mary token that's so cute oh okay yeah like Hmm. <laughs> I'm on a I'm on a, a Wikipedia page for the biscuits. It's called the biscuits pedigree. <laughs> Great. Is there like a gingerbread in there? <laughs> no. Uh. I just yeah, I don't know. And then it's like if there is some kind of naming convention like that, is it only used for the sort of like studs? Because we've named other horses like cow and mushroom, you know? Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of actually, like, you know, we were just talking about the difference between, like, um, you know, like, breeds nowadays versus, like, palfreys and chargers and, you know, mm-hmm. many of the other, um, like, words like yeah. that. Where they're not, like, breeds. They're kind of... Yeah. Brittle. Well, cobs, right? Cobs yeah. are also, like, a... a a genre of horse. <laughs> yeah, they would definitely do uh, horse genres. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Oh, no, sorry. I There is absolutely a... In the Shire, they name... Because, you know, it's very... It's like a small town, and they're very into, like, gossip and drama a little bit. They absolutely name horses after each other. Like, in a non- sometimes in a complimentary way, like, oh, yeah, like, this is a good horse. We'll name oh. him after Granddad. But sometimes it's like, yeah, this horse name is named Lobelia because it sucks. <laughs> I, sorry, I, when you said name horses after each other, I thought you meant name horses after other horses. So, like, this horse has the qualities, like, qualities that remind us of this older horse. Oh, so that's it's gonna so be- good. Like, there was like, once one really good draft horse named Potato, and so now all the all the good draft horses are named Potato because they're good. Or or it's or it's like some element of that. It's like it's like um, I don't know, like like clover hyphen as hyphen Potato or like oh okay I, yeah. I don't know like or you know mushroom tot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the including that in the name communicates what the horse does or what it's good at. Yeah, so there are sort of maybe, and I'm sure it shifts over time. Like, what were, like, the sort of archetypal horses a hundred years ago? Like, has, like, some of those are are less well known now and there are sort of new, you know, archetypal yeah. horses. Um, But, yeah. Yeah, I I really like that. That's great. I feel like we've come here know. what we we've done what we came here to do. Yeah. I think also there would be 
like color like patterns that that different shire regions breed for mm. like coat you colors know, like yeah like like i think there's a region of the shire that breeds like speckled horses and oh you know and there's a region that breeds like piebald horses yeah at least that's what they you know that's their primary like thing yeah yeah i like that and so you can tell kind of at a glance where a horse has come from where a horse is likely from which which i think fits a lot of like people of the shire have such like regional uh pride and and sense of like oh yeah well like those people over even like those people over in Brandybuck are like different than the people in Hobbiton to some extent, right? They're more adventurous or whatever. And so for their horses to like look different for their ponies to look different, um, feels, you know, sort of reflective of that sense of like insiderism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Yeah. If you have your own horse questions, Please send them in. Or any other questions vaguely related to Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Also, if you have been listening to Shadowfax and enjoying it, uh, please give us a like or give us a review because we like to read the nice things that people say about the show and then cry. Yeah. Like, I mean, it really means so much to us to, like, read words from people about how they feel. Especially, like, like, as we've been saying, we're coming up on the end of it. I'm feeling sentimental. (laughs) Yeah. If you're feeling sentimental, tweet at us, leave us a review, whatever, you know, whatever you're feeling. Yeah. But I think that's it for us today. We will be back with a movie episode next time. Wow. Wow. How I do you want to, how do you, what, I don't know. Uh, what did we say today that was funny? It's been so long. It's all blurred together. Run free. Um, my spirit is free. Uh, horse, horses, wide open spaces. <laughs> wide open spaces. Cowboy, take me away. <laughs> Cowboy, take me away. Thank you for listening. The music you heard at the beginning was Horse by Horse, arranged and performed by Caitlin and Joey. That's us. You can listen to it again at soundcloud.com shadowfactspod. The cover art was made by Annie Johnston Click at Dancy Naru on Twitter. I'm Caitlin, my pronouns are they, them, and you can follow me at Chalo and Behold on Twitter. You can follow the show at ShadowFactsPod and email your horse-related Lord of the Rings questions to ShadowFactsPod at gmail.com. Joining me on this journey there and back again is... Joey. My pronouns are they, he, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoeyThePrince. If you want to read and watch along, check the episode description for the segment we'll cover next time. This has been ShadowFacts. One horse to rule them all! Ha 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 ha!